Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. everyone. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, great to see you. And uh, we're, all, we're all happy today. This should be like the happiest show we ever have, right? Uh, except for winning World Series and winning World, winning Stanley Cups and stuff. Beating the Braves two out of three should be a pretty happy show. It is going to be a very happy show, Randy. The St. Louis Cardinals are absolutely rolling. And about a week ago, I had tweeted out a poll. Are we thinking 12 and 22 yet? Are we thinking World Series yet? And a lot of people said, no, it's too soon. But after taking two or three from the Braves, the defending World Series champions over the weekend, I wonder what that poll will look like this morning. Because I think a lot of people woke up this morning with the feeling of this is a team that could actually do this. I don't know that there's a team that the Cardinals can't play with. I don't know if they're going to beat everybody, but we have seen the randomness of the postseason enough here in St. Louis to believe that if you can play with somebody, you can beat them. And the Cardinals certainly can play with and beat the Braves, who can play with the Mets. Might not be able to beat them. But I think if you can play with the Braves, you can play with anybody in the National League. Well, and I think we know here in St. Louis, it's about getting hot at the right time mm-hmm. and going on a run and getting that momentum into the postseason. And unless the Cardinals completely fall apart in September, I think they're going to carry this through and we could see some exciting postseason baseball. A lot of 60-cent drinks over the course of the weekend here in St. Louis as well. Yesterday and today, head to your mobile on the run and enjoy a 6-3 win over the Braves last night, capping the Cardinals taking two out of three. Highlands Jake Odorizzi went five and two-thirds, no-hit innings. He matched Adam Wainwright's zeros until Newt (laughs) stepped to the plate with two out in the sixth. In the air towards the left field, pretty well struck. That one is He couldn't see it, but how about how loud the crowd was? So right at the very uh, beginning of the game, Boog Shambi, who was on the call last night for ESPN, made sure to tell the national television audience, the Cardinals fans aren't booing, they're nooting. <laughs> and boy, were they nooting after that home run. Um, unbelievable at bat by Lars Newtbar. First to four straight hits by the Cardinals, capped by a Nolan Arenado RBI hit, 2 nothing Redbirds. But in the next half inning, the Cardinals replaced Wayno with Ryan Helsley with two on and two out. Dansby Swanson blasted a three-run homer. Braves have the lead. It stayed 3 Two until Tommy Edmond led off the bottom of the eighth. 
First pitch, he turns it around 3-3. New walks, Brendan Donovan reaches on an error, but... Goldie strikes out and Arnado strikes out? What? I thought it was O-V-E-R <laughs> for that inning. But you have Tyler O'Neill, who has not been the hottest hitter of late, stepping to the plate against A.J. Minter. Drilled the center. Harris back. Back some more. At the wall. landed in a familiar spot. Yeah, it certainly did, Randy. It certainly did. And a little bit of a Canadian bacon bomb there from Tyler O'Neill. And I know he had a good series. And we might be wondering if Tyler O'Neill is back. I'm going to need more of a sample size. But we talked about this last week. If you could get Tyler O'Neill going, we talked about who's the most important person to get going or get a return on who hasn't been thriving for the Cardinals. Our pick was Jack Flaherty, but Tyler O'Neill is right there tied for first in that conversation. If you can get Tyler O'Neill looking like he did in the second half of the season last year as we head towards the playoffs, mm-hmm. and you have Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Tyler O'Neill as a legitimate threat, now we're talking. And you think about the capabilities of the lineup with Newt hitting the way he is. If you could get Dylan Carlson going, and then obviously Goldie, Arenado, O'Neill, and then either Pujols or Dickerson. It's a pretty formidable group there that you've got in the middle of your lineup. And Tommy Edmond showing out last night as well. He was great. So Tyler O'Neill, how did that one feel? Yeah, it was pretty cool for sure. Um, you know, hitting hitting uh, homers is always fun, but uh, you know, in a situation like that with uh, you know tie game, um, you know, big situation. I just uh, you know again wanted to do my job and um, enjoy it. Uh, you know, see a good pitch to hit and um, you know see it fly that way, and uh, you know it's all, it's all good feelings. Good for him. And even though he was the guy that delivered the game-winning home run, nationally, the star of the game was Adam Wainwright. And of of course it was. Anytime that he is going to be given the opportunity to be on the brightest stage, Adam Wainwright is going to shine because he's a star. And the pregame commentary that Adam Wainwright gave, uh, showing his warm-up, I think that every person watching that nationally, I was watching the, the commentary come through on social media, Randy, was just in awe of Adam Wainwright, and mm-hmm. I thought, what a gift that we have here in St. Louis, that we get to talk to him every week, and that he provides insight and and thoughtful answers and a peek behind the curtain into mm-hmm. what it's like to be someone like Adam Wainwright every single week. I was glad the rest of the country, though, got to see that. And for him to be, to open himself up for something like that, many, many, many pitchers would not. So for him to take us through that entire process was really cool. But that shows you the confidence that he has in himself. Yeah. That he's going to let you into what he does and how he prepares and know that he's got it. He goes six and two thirds. He allows two runs, four strikeouts. Didn't get the win, but the team did and took two of three from a really good Atlanta team. They always say it's all the same, but they sure feel more important, don't they, down the stretch? Uh, especially against a great team like that, you know, and uh, they had us on the ropes twice and we won both those games. So, um, you know, winning two out of three against the Atlanta Braves in, in World Series. You know, winning team last year, team that knows how to do it, been through it, a bunch of winning players over there, great manager, you know, great pitching coach. They got they got a lot of good things going over there. This was a great series for us. You know, we won this we won this this game today as a total team win. Yesterday we won a total team win, um, and uh, that's what that's what you that's what you got to do against great teams. It really is. And Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols and Nolan Arnato, Paul Goldschmidt, Yadier Molina, all of those guys. 
they understand how to get to the playoffs. But one thing that Wayno and Yachty and Albert have specifically is the knowledge of what it takes to traverse the playoffs. I think that's going to be so valuable for the Cardinals once the playoffs start. And by the way, they maintain a six-game lead over the Brewers. But remember in 06 when the veterans, after they had lost in 04, mm-hmm. veterans went to the young players like Chris Duncan and Brad Thompson and said, hey, slow it down. It's, it goes really fast. Slow it down. Take it in. Savor it. But not just from a personal standpoint, like being a fan, but as a player. Just, you know, keep your heartbeat low. Yeah. And that was so important. And I have to believe for guys that haven't been through it before, having that sort of wisdom permeating throughout the clubhouse is going to be huge for this team. Yes, and it's not just any veteran players or any guys who have won World Series championships that are talking to you. It's Albert Pujols, who's arguably the best right-handed hitter in the history of the game. It's Yadier Molina, who is arguably the best catcher in the game. It's Adam Wainwright, who should be a Hall of Famer Mm -hmm. and is just about the best leader out there. These are are guys that are not only just battle-tested, but if you're not going to listen to those guys, who are you ever going to listen to? And. When they're talking to people, even like Miles Michaelis, who's a veteran player but hasn't been through it, but Michaelis, O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond, all really good players. But this has a chance to be something really special for the Cardinals. It really does. And I also want to give a shout out to Ali Marmol, who I think has done a a magnificent job in his first season Mm -hmm. as the Cardinals manager. And it's probably good for him to to know, yes, this is my first season and uh, even though I'm learning on the fly, I've got all of this valuable knowledge in the clubhouse and this is about as strong of a leadership core as you're ever going to walk into. But how many times have we ever talked about Ollie making rookie mistakes? This stage was not too big for him. This job was not too big for him. And I just think the fact that we have barely even talked about the fact that this is his first season doing mm-hmm. this has been a pretty important storyline for the Cardinals. And tonight the Cardinals will embark on a three-game series in Cincinnati, 540 with the starts each of the next three nights. Chase Anderson will go for Cincinnati, the former Reds pitcher, a right-hander, and he'll be opposed by Miles Michaelis of the Cardinals, who needs to get back on the beam. 10-10 and 10 with a 3.65, but Miles has kind of been scuffling here since the All-Star break, so he needs to pick it up. Come on, Miles. You can do it. Hopefully, though, this is like a, a, a force multiplier thing, you know, as we talked about with Adam. Mm-hmm. When a pitcher goes out and does well, all of the rest of the staff, they want to step their game up, too. I think so. This is the negative of playing a, a, a kind of a candy little schedule to close out a season is because I want to see Michaelis, you know, go six innings, you know, four hits, one run against Me too. the Braves, not necessarily the oh. Cincinnati Reds. I, I like seeing him succeed against whomever he's pitching against. I want to see success. It's just the, the confidence. I'd like maybe the division to be a little bit more, you know, Maybe a little bit more of a fight to actually see, maybe keep this team on, you know. I'm pretty happy with on pins and needles. Speaking of the <laughs> schedule, the Cardinals have really had three tough tests so far in the second half. Mm-hmm. The Yankees, who, yes, were scuffling at the time, but they swept the Yankees. The Brewers, who they took two of three, and they lost in extras on that Saturday night. Should have swept that series. And the Braves, who they took two of three of over the weekend. So we, t- we talk about the easy schedule, but they're handling their business yeah. versus playoff teams as well. They're really... Or playoff contenders, at least. They're really playing well. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, Matthew, coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Start one, bench one, cut one on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Character and Smallman. Solid athlete, solid arm. Start one. Warm up. You're going in. Bench one. Mediocre. Hit the shower. Cut one. You're off the team. I do head. What? It's start one, bench one, cut one on Character and Smallman. Service text line 65780. Okay, Michelle, start one, bench one, cut one. This is uh, projected, by the way, ahead to February. Okay. Super Bowl champ Tua Tonga Vailoa. <laughs> Two time Super Bowl champ Bob Greasy. And no time Super Bowl champ Dan Marino. Start one, bench one, cut one. Okay, Dan Marino is getting the start. No, no Super Bowls, but the start. Doesn't good. matter. He's the best one on the list. Well, the most accurate passer in the history of the league is Tua. Correct, but until we see him do it in the regular season, I'm going, even though we know that he is, Randy, we know that he is, but until he proves it this season, I'm going to have to uh, start Dan the Man Marino, the Hall of Famer. Um, I am going to bench Bob Greasy, and unfortunately, I'm going to cut Tua. Poor Tua. Okay, the other day, I don't think Dan Deardorff's in town. The other day when Dan Deardorff was saying, I'm not going to name any names about Jim Hart's way better than a lot of quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Bob Greasy. <laughs> That's what I think. It all depends on where you play. It really does. It really, yep. really does. Yep. Okay, um, I also am going to project, Randy. Good, I like it. Okay, start one, bench one, cut one. MVP and Triple Crown winner, Paul Goldschmidt. Okay, good, I like it. Yachty and Wayno breaking the all-time battery record. Okay. And Albert, Albert Pujols hitting 700. Ooh, this is tough. Okay. Um... All right, I am going to go with Goldie winning the Triple Crown for the first time since 1937. And then I have to go with that Lifetime Achievement Award of uh, Yachty and Wayno because that will never, ever, 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 ever be broken again. And then I, I have to go Albert number uh, three. I'm, I'm going to cut You're Albert You're cutting hitting. 700 home runs. Yeah. And it's uh, what the uh, third time it's happened legitimately. May I remind you that Lars Newtbar said we're talking about Albert Pujols and a bunch of guys in black and white. Well, except for Alex Rodriguez. In fairness, did we ever see Warren Spahn? Did we ever see Warren Spahn in color? Probably not. Okay. I am... And I mean this with all due respect to everyone else. I'm starting Albert Pujols getting to 700. Just because the buildup of that is going to be unlike anything else. I'm going to bench Goldie winning the MVP slash Triple Crown. Because as you mentioned, Ducky Madwick, 1937. We haven't seen that in a while. And even though it will never be broken. And even though Adam Wainwright is our guy. I'm going to cut... Wayno and Yachty getting the all-time battery record because that's already a foregone conclusion. That one we know is going to happen. So I think it will be, a, it's not that we won't celebrate it and we won't revere the accomplishment, but it's almost going to be a little anticlimactic because it's a foregone conclusion that it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Whereas the Goldie, Triple Crown, and Albert getting to 700, there's going to be a lot of anticipation of can they do it? And it's going to be must-see TV anytime those guys are playing. It has been must-see TV, but we're... We're going to reach a fever pitch as both of them get closer to those feet. It's 
pretty cool that that's all happening in one year here in St. Louis, isn't it? <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, amazing. All right, your text 65780. Matthew, what do you got? A little peek in the text line live, by the way. Uh, just a bunch of people very effusively being like, yeah, Michelle, 100%, 700. And then a bunch of people being like, how dare you say 700 is the answer? Just a little peek into the text line. I love it. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, how about this one, Michelle? Calm down about seven hundred. Calm. We are not talking about. I mean, seven hundred home runs. You say to calm down over that. Maybe you need yeah. to amp it up a little, yeah. sir or ma'am. Yeah, Twenty-two thousand major league baseball players. He would be the fourth guy ever to get to seven hundred. How are you not excited about that? Gotta be excited. Into the opposite of that, seven hundred. Did you hear the stadium last night? Oh my God, Randy Wowza. It's complete opposite. Start one, bench one, cut one. Blues Hall of Famers, Bernie Federko, Brett Hall, Barkley Plager. Hmm. Okay. A little emotional, well, is emotional the best player. stats here. Uh, Hulley is the best player in franchise history. Barkley Plager is basically the, the heart and soul of this franchise. And Bernie Federko sustained this franchise for 13 years. He was, he was the guy and... He's the only Hall of Famer that played his entire career. Well, not he, he missed his last year here, but the, the substance of his career here in St. Louis. Uh, tough choice, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start Brett Hall. I'm going to bench Bernie, and I'm going to reluctantly cut Bob Plager. But that's what's great about this game is that you have to make a call. I'm going to start Bernie Federico. Was it Bob or Bark Plager? Bark. He said Barkley. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's easy yeah, for me. Because that's difficult. Yeah. Um, not that it isn't difficult anyway, but I'm going to start Bernie Federico because he's our teammate here on 101 ESPN. Mm-hmm. He joins us weekly, so I'm going to start the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico. Um, I am going to bench Brett Hall, who joins us and has had great interviews mm-hmm. with us. And I'm going to cut Barkley Plager. Sorry. Fair enough. We both did. All right, Cardinals, you want to roll with right now. Start one, bench one, cut one. Bro Neal, Carlson, Gorman. Right now? Right now. Um, I'm going to, all due respect to those two gold gloves that uh, Bro Neal has, I'm going to go with the legitimate big time center fielder and, and switch hitter in Dylan Carlson, even though he has been kind of scuffling. I'm going to start him. I am going to bench Bro Neal. Thank you for the last couple of nights. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Brett gave us a couple of wins. And I'm going to cut uh, Nolan Gorman. I'm starting Bro Neal because we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a small sample size, the, sa- the most recent sample size we have of Bro Neal past two games. Pretty good. P- pretty good. Pretty, uh, he's contributing to the success. So we're going to start Bro Neal. I'm going to bench Carlson and cut Gorman. This one's going to be a little bit easier for Michelle, but not easy. Okay. Start one, bench one, cut one. World Series edition, 1982-2006-2011. Do you think anyone is not going to start 2011? I know the other two were great too, but... I'm going to start 82. Are you? I I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Why? Well, that was my introduction to really good baseball, and that team was just so much more fun than the, the 11 team because they stole the 200 bases. They It was Ozzy's first year here. You had Ozzy and Hernandez, best defensive shortstop, def- best defensive first baseman in the history of the game. They only had 67 home runs. They had to run, so they were extraordinarily entertaining. And, and what, it was 15 years since the last one at that point? Uh, 67. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's been 15 yeah, years. So 15, and the other 
part of it is, as opposed to 2011, which was awesome, but the 82 team was good all year long. They didn't have to struggle to make the playoffs. See, and that's, I think, why I love the 11 team. I love the resiliency. I love the mm-hmm. 10 and a half games back, make a run, happy flight, the rally squirrel. Obviously, the hometown hero and David Freeze will see you tomorrow night. That That team just had all of the drama and the entertainment and the storylines for me. And the single greatest sports moment I will likely ever have is game six of the Mm -hmm. 2011 World Series. So I'm going to have to start that one. I'm going to bench 2006 and then, sorry, Randy, I'm cutting 82 because I was not alive yet. So Fair enough. (laughs) I didn't get a chance to really experience it. I'm going to bench 11 and cut 06. And you know what? It's kind of weird. But that team gets penalized because they won the World Series in five games. I know. It wasn't as dramatic as <laughs> right. 2011. Yeah. It, but that that World Series and that team had a lot of storylines, too, and a lot great. of people counted them out. But yeah. 2011 just seems to eclipse everything because it's the, it's the hometown hero. Yeah. Brad Thompson would probably start 06. I think it was sloppy, the fact that the Tigers you know, threw it around the infield a couple times. Yeah. Didn't it really help? Yeah. Um, man, in 2011 also, you have Holiday and Carpenter. You have Holiday and Carpenter in the playoffs leading up to that. And just overall, you have Game 162, which mm-hmm. I don't know if we're ever going to have a singular day of Game 162 right, that ever awesome. that insane as 2011. It just has so much other color behind it. Uh, g- greatest of all time, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady. Start one, bench one, cut one. Hmm. Well, Michael Jordan changed his sport and won six championships and never lost in the finals. So I'm going to go with MJ as my guy to start. I am, uh, again, because he changed his sport and in the time frame in which he played was the most dominant ever. I'm I'm going to bench Tiger and I'm going to cut Brady. I actually think I'm going to start Tiger. Because he is the only person responsible for his success. It's all on mm-hmm, him. Right. And he he changed the entire landscape of a sport. Those other two changed their sports in different ways. But Tiger Woods opened doors for people that were firmly shut. And he made golf really cool. And he was just so unbelievably dominant. Mm-hmm. And had he not had physical and, and personal issues in his life, I think that we would far and away be putting him on the top of this list. Agreed, 100%. I am going to bench Michael Jordan because he's the GOAT. And I'm going to cut Tom Brady. Because I think ultimately, even though Brady is amazing and elevated so many people around him, and I'm not taking one ounce of his success away from him, there's still a lot of other people that had to do their jobs in order for Brady to be as great as he is. And by the way, if the officials do their job and call an incredibly blatant uh intentional grounding call against Brady in Super Bowl 36 and the Rams win that as they should have then we might not even hear of Tom Brady again it's probably Drew Bledsoe in 2002 in New England if the tapes weren't rolling through the walkthrough would we be having this conversation great point great point man Giselle could have gotten just such a better looking person in that that scenario I don't know about that (laughs) start one bench one cut one McGuire's pushed to 62 Pools is pushed to 700 or the St. Louis Blues pushed to the Stanley Cup Oh, that's all amazing. I mean, it, yeah. I for me, I'm the anticipation of that that Blues Cup because Michelle, you and I, we kicked that around a lot here in the building at that time. We didn't have the show at that time, but we 
we thought, wow, this might be the team when mm-hmm. they went on the 11 game streak. But the whole year, everybody all year long in 1998. I mean, Mark McGuire on opening day, we talked all offseason about him hitting 62 his first full year with the Cardinals. And then hits a grand slam on opening day. And that was the focus not only of St. Louis, but of the country for the whole year, for the whole baseball season. I'm actually going to start McGuire in 98. I am going to bench the Blues run to the Stanley Cup. And for the third time in this segment, I am going to cut Albert Pujols going for 700. What is it about 700 home runs that is not thrilling you? I'm thrilled about it, but I got to cut something. I I think about it every day, Randy. I can't understand why you're cutting 700. All right. So I am going to cut 700 because it hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I will cut that. I am going to bench the the McGuire chase because that – captivated not only St. Louis, but the entire sports world. And I truly do mean the world was captivated by that. But I got to start the Blues push to the Stanley Cup. Gloria and the storylines. Just the the pervasive feeling of never feeling more alive, but also feeling like you wanted to throw up every single day on the way to them winning that Stanley Cup championship. We were all on pins and needles for months through that run. And it was the best thing in the entire it, world. It was pretty awesome. I'm, I'm was so interested to hear your answer there because you had the extended malaise of a blues fan, but you also weren't didn't have you weren't like a child like me and Michelle were when McGuire did his thing. So like for me, McGuire is my answer because that changed how I looked at sports when I was you know seven eight years old. Well, yeah, I ran I, I ran into Bush Stadium as he hit sixty, and I'll never forget that moment. Basically, what it came down to for me was. Six or seven months of anticipation versus mm. three or four months of anticipation and hope. Three, hope versus anticipation. The 501 texting in and saying, per Randy, F them 700 dingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here, here we go. Uh, exactly. Start one, bench one, cut one. The Rams leaving, the Cardinals losing in 04 to the Red Sox, Albert Pujols chase to 700. Well, there you go. Start. Yeah, okay, there we go. We got I it. think I might start this chase to 700. And then the Red Sox in 04, and then the Rams leaving. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, three things we loved about the weekend coming your way with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The weekend on Character and Smallman, and we'll get things started with number three. Number three for me, Randy, is Illinois opening their season with a big 31 to 6 win over time, Randy. <laughs> it's Illinois football, Randy. I don't know how many times we're going to be able to fire that during the season, so we I need know. to celebrate this while we can. I and I. Yeah. <laughs> Week zero slash week one is always the best week for Illinois football. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I liked a couple things about this game. Not only did they open the season strong with a 31-6 win over Wyoming, and yes, I'm going to say that many times during this segment, but Tommy DeVito was under center, Randy, the Syracuse transfer, and he looked really good in his first outing, 27 of 37 for passing, 194 yards, two touchdowns. He was the star of the show. He had great composure, and uh, I think perhaps more importantly, Importantly, the character and Smallman bump is alive. Oh, yeah. Coach Bielma joined us last week. And, you know, we have Adam Wainwright on all the time. And he certainly experiences the character and Smallman bump. We've had uh, David Perron get the character and Smallman bump. But both of those guys are outstanding at their craft. So they're going to do well 
uh, with or without the bump. And I'm not saying that Coach Bielma is not. But the fact that Illinois football got a little bit of a, the character and Smallman love and propelled them to a victory, I'm just glad to see that it's alive and thriving. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but Illinois football off to a strong start. Let's see how they do Friday at Indiana, Randy. But it's got to be my one of my favorite things for the weekend because, as I mentioned, you don't know how long this feeling's going to last. So no. we need to save it. I should point out, and I didn't even think of this until right now, Tommy DeVito, also a founding member of the Four Seasons. So let's hope that Illinois football can have the sustained success that Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons did. Jersey Boys. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy DeVito. There you go. Who knew? Do you think he's related to Danny? Love your work. I would think so. And then there's a drummer named Liberty. I think the drum, the drummer for... Uh, Billy Joel's band, I think, is Liberty DeVito. Liberty DeVito, what a name. Yeah, pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Michelle, my number three is Saturday Night Football Ravens Halftime. Fun exhibition between local Baltimore mascots, including the Ravens mascot, Poe, named after Edgar Allan Poe, and a group of kids. (laughs) So Poe gets taken out by one of the kids and tears his ACL. (laughs) Now, I don't love this, but I loved it. A mascot, head still on, gets lifted up to a cart and wheeled off. <laughs> Apparently, according to the Ravens, Poe took some damage to his drumstick and ruffled some feathers. <laughs> he's, they say, we'll continue to share updates on Poe's status, but he's resting comfortably in his perch awaiting further test results. So this mascot keeps his head on, tears an ACL, and keeps the head on and gets carted off the field. You know what that's <laughs> called? Commitment to your craft. It is. It's awesome. You keep the head on no matter what. <laughs> And what a statement by the Ravens. He had a drumstick injury, yeah. ruffled some feathers. He's resting in his perch. Unbelievable. Did you guys see the stiff arm that one of the mascots put on one of the kids, too, going around the oh, corner? No. Was oh. this after the injury? I, th- I think it was after the injury. But, I mean, there's nothing funnier than the, the three or four clips that exist on the internet of mascots just absolutely blowing up some poor nine-year-old kid. Poor Poe taken out. Number two. Number two for me, Randy, is uh, a big congrats to Nolan Arenado. He and his wife, Laura, welcomed their first child, a baby girl named Levi, at 3 p.m. Thursday afternoon. Shout out to Nolan and and Laura, and welcome to the world, and welcome to St. Louis, to Levi Arenado. And I said on Friday that the thing I was looking forward to most this weekend was that Nolan Arenado inevitably was going to have some dad strength. And boy, did he prove it, especially on Saturday. He went four for four in that game, including that home run, Randy. And he's a girl dad now, and he's got dad strength. And I hope that that dad strength can persist through the end of the season, maybe into the playoffs. I hope it's not just a blip on the radar. But congratulations to the Arenados. What an exciting time. And, Michelle, I also have my number two coming from Saturday night because I thought the Cardinals were done. I'm driving home from a golf tournament. They're down 4 nothing, And they rallied with Charlie Morton on the mound, by the way, for Atlanta and knocked off the Braves 6-5 to and down one in the bottom of the ninth, a one-out double, a walk, a hit-by-pitch, an infield hit that scored one, and then Tyler O'Neill with the bases-loaded walk. This game is over! A ninth inning come from behind, walk-off win for the Cardinals on a Kenley Jansen bases-loaded walk. And the Cardinals win it 6-5. to five. And Michelle, what I loved about it 
is that the Cardinals provided us the knowledge that they could manufacture a win without hitting a home run against a good team. That's hard to do, and that's something that you have to do in the playoffs. It takes those sorts of efforts like the Cardinals had on Saturday night in the ninth to win playoff games and playoff series. And that's why I love seeing that on Saturday. Good teams find ways to win games. You're right, and that's what they're doing right now. Number one. By the way, I was so excited about Illinois winning that even though the sc- the score is right in front of me, 38 to 6, I said 31 to 6. They won 38 to 6. I shortchanged them a touchdown. Better. I know, but I was just so hyped. I'm sorry. My bad. Randy was playing the, the club horns. We were getting it going. <laughs> but Randy, my favorite thing over the weekend happened last night. Adam Wainwright getting the ball for the Cardinals. And of course, he agreeing to uh, take everyone behind the scenes and a little peek behind the curtain pregame. And he was mic'd up during his routine and, and got to let the country see how Adam Wainwright prepares for a game. In my earlier years, I would have never agreed to do this. I'll be honest. But I just get so many times I get asked about my warm-up routine because it's a little different. You know, I don't I don't spend as much time long tossing and warming up. But when I was in double-A, I had a real trouble a real hard time getting the ball down. Throwing a lot of high pitch count innings, a lot of, a lot of balls up in the zone, a lot of arm side misses. And every time on the mound after that, the, after the last game, I really struggled, like probably through the beginning of May. My double-A pitching coach, Mike Alvarez, had me just throw off the mound. So I'm about to get on the mound right here and just work on throwing the ball down downhill because uh, I'm a downhill pitcher. It was unbelievable insight and transparency from Adam Wainwright. We get a taste of it every week when he joins us on Character and Smallman for Wednesdays with Bueno, brought to you, by the way, by Chick-fil-A. But I just don't know how many athletes could not only give you that level of detail and be that forthcoming about their process while also being that entertaining and doing it. And he's just a very special person and he's a gem and... I just think we need to savor Adam Wainwright every second we've got him because before we know it, Randy, he's going to be in the booth talking like that. He provides insight, provided insight last night that we've never seen in Major League Baseball before. There's never been a pitcher that took us through his warm-up routine as he was warming up. So even the most grizzled baseball fans learned something last night. And I thought it was cool, by the way, when Buster only asked Brian Snitker about him. He said, yeah, I was the one that had to call him and tell him that he'd been traded to baseball heaven. I'm sure he regrets that phone call. I would think so, yeah. Double <laughs> manager couldn't do anything about it. But, right, but, but still, that has to be something that he thinks about. I could have had Adam Wayne, right? Yeah. Michelle, my number one, Rory McIlroy, has become the face and conscience of the PGA Tour, so it was cool to see him rally from a six-shot deficit in the final round against the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler, and close with a four under 66 to become the first three-time winner of the FedEx Cup. Does something that Tiger Woods has never done. Now, does being the voice of the PGA and against LIV ever get old? No, I don't think so, because if you believe in something, I think you have to you have to speak up. And I believe very strongly about this. I really do. I hate what it's doing to the game of golf. I hate it. Like I really do. I mean, like it's it's gonna be hard for me to stomach going to Wentworth in a couple of weeks' time and seeing 18 of them there. Like that just it just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, I feel strongly. I, I believe I believe what I'm saying are the right things. And I think when you believe that what you're saying is the right things, you're you're happy to, to stick your neck out on the line. I, I love this guy. So what he's talking about is the European tour allows live players to play. And they're in Surrey, England in a couple of weeks hosting their version of the BMW Championship. There are gonna be 18 live tour their guy, live tour guys there. And Rory says, I don't think I'll be able to stomach that, seeing those 18 guys. 
I love that competitiveness. I love his honesty, too. Yeah. I love that he doesn't try to be PC about this at all. That no. he just says exactly what he feels. Yeah, he's he's proud of the PGA Tour, and he should be. And he's, he's the front man for the tour. And by the way, whether it was fixed or not, the PGA Tour couldn't have asked for a better outcome than they got yesterday in the FedEx Cup, having him win it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in for Take It or Leave It. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Michelle and Randy with you. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service, 6965780. Matthew will have your text for us coming up in just a moment. Michelle, at the moment, the Cardinals are four and a half games behind Atlanta, but more notably, seven and a half games behind the Mets. The Cardinals at 74 and 54. Take it or leave it, the Cardinals catch the Mets and get a first round bye. I'm going to take it, Randy. They have a month to do it, and they're rolling right now. Plus, they have a pretty favorable schedule. I know they have that mm-hmm. stretch versus the Padres and the Dodgers, but really outside of that, they aren't going to be challenged a whole lot down the stretch here. 20 games over 500 for the first time this year. And then when you look, Michelle, at the schedule that the Mets have to deal with the rest of the way, the Mets have the Dodgers this week. And throughout the course of the rest of the season, they have to go to Milwaukee. They have to make a West Coast trip to Oakland for just three. They have three with Atlanta left, too. I could absolutely see the Mets stumbling and the Cardinals, like you said, taking advantage of their schedule. And if if not catching the Mets, at least scaring them a little bit at the end. So, Randy, I don't know if you saw this, but this video made the rounds over the weekend. James Harden turned 33. His birthday was over the weekend, and he had a pretty, what looks like wild party on a boat. It looked like a good time on a big yacht, right? And there's this video of James Harden. He's sitting on the edge of the boat. He's surrounded by people, and someone hands him his birthday cake, and he just kind of looks at it and tosses it into the ocean, tosses it over his shoulder into the ocean. Take it or leave it. Even though that's kind of a crime to waste dessert like that, that has to be kind of satisfying to just take take a cake and throw it in the ocean. I'm going to leave that. I don't think that there's any positive development that comes out of that. Somebody went to the trouble to get you a birthday cake. So you were mean to them. You're not or respecting Or he probably your... paid for it because he probably paid for the whole party. He probably did. But still, somebody <laughs> at least took the trouble to get it made and have it delivered to him. You can be classy about it, and everybody else might want to partake of the See, cake. And that's the thing that I was thinking is I'm sure other people had been eyeing the cake all night long, mm-hmm. and they wanted a bite. But just the way he did it, Randy, it was so casual. He just kind of chucked it over his shoulder almost. And I thought there has to be something so satisfying about just having zero cares in the world and just saying, oh, you guys want this cake? Forget it. I'm going to throw it in the ocean, you know? Yeah, I think you should care about people more. But, but I it's think his birthday. You- yeah, but still, it's... He can throw a cake if he wants you to. You care about people on your birthday. But it's but it's technically your day, and you can do with your cake. It's a gift to him. He can do with it whatever he wants. I'm leaving it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm, I, take it or leave it. He just gave people the perfect meme 
for when he gets bumped out of the playoffs come next season. You, you take that, you gift that, you put the phrase, you know, making baskets when it counts, and it's just him throwing it over his shoulder. I don't care. It's you, He just gave everyone the perfect meme to make fun of him when he blows it again in the playoffs. Thank you, James Harden. Somebody will yeah, make that a... Some sort of a, a, a GIF, yeah. Guaranteed, that's a, guaranteed a GIF, that's a GIF. GIF yeah, GIF of, of somebody. That'll be a basketball before you know it. Of <laughs> him throwing it into the ocean. He couldn't hit water if he tossed it from the side of a boat. Make it the Larry O'Brien trophy. Yeah. I wonder if it was a good cake. We'll never know. <laughs> oh, and here's a guy that shows up to camp fat. If anybody, if any basketball player should eat cake, it's him. You know what? That's a, it's a motivational video he sent to his trainers. Don't worry, guys. Not eating it anymore. Yeah. Do you think he was really... Or do you think he was faking being as big as he was with Houston? You think he had like was wearing a hoodie underneath his jersey or something? I don't know how you could really fake that. It was pretty big. He's wasn't he? always been he's chunky. Always, he's always been chunky, but never like that. Never like that. I mean, but he hated it. And you hear the stories. You know, him and him and Chris Paul hated each other. I wonder if he'll ever win. I'm watching the video again, and he does not look out of shape. Okay, well, maybe that's why he threw the cake over. Yeah. You know, I can't keep things like cookie butter at home because I'll eat it. Maybe he's like, don't sabotage my environment. How dare you? That might be. I'm trying to keep it right, keep it tight. <laughs> nothing, like, nothing like signing a contract and get your team investigated good, by the league. Yeah. Good time to get started. I will say, though, the cake looks very light. And it didn't it didn't fall apart at all. So I don't know if it was a prop cake or what. Okay. You, we gotta, we've got to examine the video. Did he go back around and pick it out of the ocean? Or do we have a little bit of a female issue here. Uh, take it or leave it. Broniel wins September Player of the Month for the second year in the row. For reference's sake, Tyler O'Neill last during last September had an OPS over a thousand, a batting average over three hundred, and hit eleven home runs in that month. Yeah, I'll take it for fun. I'll take it for sure. Cause why not? If he hits eleven home runs and has an OPS over a thousand for the whole yeah, month of September, then he might not catch Goldie. The, I mean, the Cardinals are gonna—they're gonna—they're gonna go twenty-three and seven again in the month. It's gonna be ridiculous. Would it be fun if Goldie won like? Has he won three or no two? So if he won three, that'd be great. He's going to win for this month. Yeah. Or Albert's going to. I was going to say he or, or his own teammate. Yeah. Well, then they, just, they just won uh, They won co-player of the week. Yeah. Uh, I think the third week in August. I think it was the third week in August. Uh, take it or leave it. Pavel Buchnevich leads the goals in blues this season. Leads the goals in blues. Leads the blues in goals. Leads the goals in blues. Leads the goals in blues. That's what you said. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Leads the blues in goals. Lord almighty. I'm going to leave it. I think it's going to be Vladdy. Great call, Michelle. But I'm going to take it. I'm going to say that Pavel Buchnevich ascends to the level of greatness that he is able to lead the goals in blues. He will, in fact, lead the goals in blues. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm going to clip that one off, Randy. It'll be in your folder. We can, we can put that right on the, right on the 360. You know what? Lord, Silly me. There's really no other candidate to lead the goals in blues than yeah. Pavel Buchnevich. No, he's the guy. He is the only guy that can yeah. lead the goals in blues. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill will be hitting in between Goldie and Arenado for game one of the playoffs. Leave it. If if any two guys are joined at the hip and at the lineup, it's Goldie and Arenado. Yeah. O'Neill might be able to work his way up to number two. Maybe a little yeah, da- little danger in the two. How about hole. that? Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill works his way consistently up to either the two or the five spot around yeah. Goldie and Arenado yeah. by the playoffs. Yeah, I would say that that's Well if he's gonna win player of the month. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Seems like a good spot for him gotta to be. be. Gotta be logically consistent with your take it or leave it. I feel it. Okay. I kind of uh, like that, too. I'd like Newt to stay hot, left-handed hitter, and then you'd have three right-handed hitters in a row. That's the one thing is you might want to put, like, Carlson. It, it, hopefully you have a hot Carlson at number two. And then I'm going all Bob Ramsey on you here. Uh, and, and then you would have, yeah, Goldie, Arenado, 
and then O'Neal hitting fifth. That'd be pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carlson hitting again. Wow, that's an incredible lineup. Uh, take it or leave it, Michelle's prediction of Tua's productivity this year is going to turn out about as well as Randy's prediction on Jack Flaherty. Um, I didn't predict that Tua would have any sort of productivity. Tyree Kill did. <laughs> just so we're clear, his yeah, own teammate yeah. did. We just repeated it. And uh, I'm going to leave that because I think that Tua is going to play and be more accurate than we've seen out of Jack Flaherty so far. Michelle, and I Randy's think, prediction, uh, by the way, I just need to mention it. 24, it 24 starts, 16 and 4, 2.73 ERA. He's starting for Memphis again on Wednesday. Flaherty is. Uh, I will point out, in your defense, I was the one that did the uh, start bench cut with Tua as a Super Bowl champion quarterback. It was me. Take it People or leave. don't listen, no. but that's fine. Take it or leave it if, this is mine, take it or leave it if the Dolphins and Tua win the Super Bowl. Randy, you have to do, you have to do the like recap after the Super Bowl saying his entire first name. Oh yeah, I will. Whatever it is, <laughs> it's like thirty yeah. letters long. We, I called the coach. I called his high school coach in Hawaii one year to try to figure out how to say it correctly, because it was right when he was coming out. Mm-hmm. And he was the biggest deal in the draft, and I literally sat with the high school coach for like fifteen minutes trying to figure out you how to pronounce it? it. Did you nail it? I don't think so. Okay, I, I, I tried. Though. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. So the Cardinals take two of three from the Braves. The lead is six. What's it going to be after Wednesday? That and more next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And the Cardinals maintained that lead. They won last night 6-3 over the Braves. They take two of three in the series, including winning the last two. And the Cardinals are now 20 games over 500. For the first time this season, they lead the National League Central by a half a dozen cousin over the <laughs> over the Milwaukee Brewers. Michelle and Randy, 805, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And I love that our town is as reactionary as we are. And that's why I loved the first half. But I also love the fact that everybody is so fired up now about where the Cardinals are and where they could be headed. It is fun to be reactionary. That's what being a sports Mm -hmm. fan is all about is having a a three-game set in May make you miserable because you think the team is a dud or taking two or three over the Braves in in late August, firing you up because you think the team might be a World Series contender. That's what's great about sports is the emotion that it elicits from us. But, Randy, I don't think I've ever been more confident in in this team than I am right now. It seems like they have really found something after the All-Star break. They're playing with a lot of confidence. You're seeing uh, a lot of players start to find themselves again. I'm looking at you, Tyler O'Neill. It's mm-hmm. a small sample size, but let's keep it up, buddy. And I just think that the times that they've been battle-tested so far in the second half, they've proven that they can play with anybody that they've had to face. They swept the Yankees. They took two or three from Milwaukee, should have swept the Brewers. They lost in extras on that Saturday night game. And then they take two or three from Atlanta. And if you're a Cardinals fan, what more could you ask for, right? Right now. And I'm wondering 
because there is a lot of, as I think you and I think, unwarranted criticism levied at the front office mm-hmm. and the ownership throughout the course of the year. If somebody would have told you at the beginning of the season, okay, the Cardinals are going to go 20 games over 500 near the end of August, and their number one and two hitters are both going to go one for three with a couple of runs scored, you would have thought, oh, maybe Edmund and Carlson are their, <laughs> their top two hitters. But they have enough good hitters that it's Newt Barr and Donovan right, exactly. that are doing that. And that Corey Dickerson, after his April and May and June, and by the way, I, I tweeted last week, I thought that he would get DFA'd, but he didn't. And Corey Dickerson is a big part of the offense now. Uh, and uh, Nolan Gorman is up and, and doing his thing now and then. I think that front office probably knows more and has more foresight and clearly more patience than a lot of us give them credit for. I I think so, too. And patience being the key word there, because think about how many people at the trade deadline were clamoring for Juan Soto, myself included, Mm -hmm. because of the generational talent that was available. But the Cardinals went out and addressed an actual need in pitching. And that's been a huge catalyst to their success in the second half. So there's a reason why why Gersh and Moe and and the guys like Randy Flores sit in those chairs and not us, because I think we would make the reactionary moves. But that's human nature. It takes a lot of patience to have that job. But Randy, you point out Newt Bar, you point out Donovan, and that's what makes a winning team when it's not just Paul Mm -hmm. Goldschmidt and it's not just Nolan Arenado and it's not just Adam Wainwright, the veteran guys who are making the big money that are coming through for you every time. It's guys like uh, like Lars Nupar who finds a way. It's it's guys like Jordan Montgomery that the front office acquires and they come in and you know make their presence known on this team. I think that we saw over the weekend the Cardinals win these games by a full team effort and that's what you need as you head down the stretch. Adam Wainwright has seen special teams 06 he was in the dugout for the 11 team he's been to the world series in uh, 2013 as well what's he seeing now you can fake your way through some of it but at some point it's got to be real i feel like these this team in here they know that we can do it you know since the all-star break um, we came in here with a new attitude and and, uh, it's just really shown you know these winning games that we would have lost in the first half that we're we're finding ways to win now so find ways to lose and that's what it takes and his rookie manager, Oliver Marmol, obviously happy with where the Cardinals are at the moment. We feel pretty good about where we're at. We are taking it one series at a time. This was a step in that direction. Uh, our goal is to be the last team standing. we got to beat teams like the one we just beat in order to do that. Hey, and once you get to the playoffs, Michelle, the, the Cardinals took two of three. All you have to do is win one more than the opposition wins. Mm-hmm. You win four, they win three, you win the series. And that's the way the Cardinals have to approach it. And that's why I like... And this was a Tony thing, and Mike was not a big win-the-series guy, Mike Matheny. I I like the approach of going into every series with the idea that you're going to win the series. Yeah, that's the way you need to approach it, one game at a time. Um, You should go in, though, thinking that you're going to sweep, right? But it's not realistic. No, it's not. But, I mean, why not shoot for the stars? Well, if you play 667 ball, you're going to set records if you win two out of three every time you play. I just think, too, after this weekend, this Cardinal team was already confident and they already were feeling good. But you have to take away from this weekend that you got somebody like Tyler O'Neill who's looking like he's cooking again. That's confidence that he has that hopefully can carry him through. But if you're the Cardinals right now and you just took two of three from the defending World Series champions, that's got to give you the confidence that you can play with anybody and beat anybody. No doubt. And once you do get to the playoffs... You like to have a playoff atmosphere and have some playoff experience. And some guys just don't have that opportunity. 
Our Lars Newbar, Brendan Donovan, they haven't played in the playoffs. The Tommy Edmonds experience in the playoffs is limited, but he knows what it feels like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a really good team right there. That's a, a playoff team that we, we could see in October. So um, it definitely had that, that playoff type feel and had a different kind of energy in the stadium for sure. And it's great to have two comeback wins like that. I am really confident in Tommy Edmond being a good playoff player. So am I. I just, he steps up at big moments. He he does. And I loved what he said, too, about the energy in the stadium last night. When we played the highlights this morning, you could feel the stadium rocking. I mean, mm-hmm. it, the the BFIB has been showing out, and why wouldn't you buy a ticket to see this team play right now? Not only are they rolling and they're a division leader getting ready for the playoffs, but you have so many unbelievable storylines happening right now, including historic ones. But that's an advantage, too, when the Cardinals know that they're going to have a packed house and a really loud and energetic crowd when the opposition comes in. And my guess would be that Paul Goldschmidt probably looked around in 2019 and saw all those empty seats in the NLCS. And, this is what I came to? And Nolan Arenado probably spent a lot of time looking around at empty seats saying, mm-hmm. this isn't really what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. But now they're seeing what it's all about. And that, that's important for those guys because it does provide a lot of energy. And why do, why do people want to come to St. Louis? Because of the fans, because it's a great place to play. But part of what makes it a great place to play is people showing up and providing the sort of energy that you're talking about. And players feel that. They talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright has shared with us many times about how it feels to be in a packed Bush stadium and be out on the mound and how the players feed off of the fan energy. So keep buying those tickets and show it up. Yep. 20 games over 500 and a sensational weekend. And we should, by the way, congratulate our friend Matt Holiday. Did a great job at the Cardinal Hall of Fame over Hall the weekend. Hall of Famer. And he was the impetus to the two straight wins over the Braves. And thank you, Matt. Yeah. We appreciate you. Good job. Good and congratulations. That was, it was so great to see him get the red jacket. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey. We are weeks away, just a couple of weeks away from Blues Training Camp. Wow. Can you believe that? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. ESPN. Chris Kerber joins Michelle and Randy. Uh, he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Kerbs. How you doing? Randy, Michelle, doing great. How are you guys? Everything's good. And I know that the Blues and the Cardinals have a great affinity for each other organizationally. But I think it's always a good thing when one team is succeeding in the town because it does up the ante a little bit for the other team. So, if, for example, when the Cardinals or when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, the Cardinals go for it a little bit more. When the Cardinals are succeeding, I think there's an inherent desire to be there's a little more oomph and a little more pep in the step of the other team like the Blues as they head into training camp. Randy, do you remember the time, and, and, I, and I hope I get this right, because it always seems to stick in my mind, when after Mike Keenan won the Stanley Cup in 94 with the Rangers, and the Blues ended up going out and signing him, and it was just after that, shortly there later, that I believe the Cardinals hired Tony La Rosa, and, and there was just like a headline battle going back mm-hmm. and forth, where there was just one big thing after another with both franchises, and I a fan base, and, and you're absolutely right. There's so many people that, that go to both games and obviously follow both teams, and and it energizes you. And, and no doubt uh, you you want to 
you want to have success and you want to capture the imagination of, of, of the region and the city just like the other franchises, and, and I think it's great to see. Curves, we talked a lot about the moves that the Blues have made this offseason, and, and we've looked a lot at the team, but we haven't looked necessarily a lot at the Western Conference as a whole. When you look at the moves that the, or excuse me, the changes that have happened with this Blues team, how big of a threat do you think that they are in the Western Conference? Well, I, I start when I, Michelle, when I think about that, I think about uh, the Central Division. And I don't know that any Central Division team aside from the Blackhawks tearing themselves down a little bit more, I don't know that any Central Division team really made any moves that makes them significantly better. I kind of get the sense that where Nashville was, obviously what we've seen with what the Blues have done uh, and a few other scenarios, I think the Central Division teams to me are in that mode of we've got a really good core. We're going to see if uh, we get that extra 10% maybe from the growth of players, the continued maturation of guys, and see where that sits. In the Pacific Division, Calgary made some changes, uh, and and I don't think they're going to be worse for wear because of them. Uh, You know, Edmonton, I don't don't know that Edmonton really did anything all that spectacular. You're just going to have to still see Dreisaitl and McDavid play uh, a bunch. Uh, you need the younger players with, with better years from some veterans, but some of the younger guys, like an Elias Pettersson, to continue to fill the holes and, and, and get the full season under their belt with Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver. The, to me, the team that maybe has improved the most since the end of last season might be the L.A. Kings, and they, they you know, were a playoff team last year and really almost took Edmonton to the brink. So I, I still think the Blues are very much a big factor uh, and will be a, a force in the Western Conference because of that. Curbs, we got a text earlier about Pavel Buchnevich, and he kind of had an under-the-radar 76-point season, didn't he? 30 goals, 46 assists, led Blues forwards at plus 29, and I loved what I saw, but I kind of think there's still more there. What do you think? Well, and I think you're probably going to get a chance to see more there, obviously, with David Perron uh, being... You know, moving on to Detroit. So I, I agree with you. And you know, he came in, and uh, I don't know that the Blues anticipated a 76-point season. But when I was talking to Joe Micheletti and Kenny Albert after the Blues made that trade, one of the things that was talked about was if Pavel Buchnevich gets more quality ice time and more opportunities, there's nothing that we've seen in his game that suggests that he can't excel even more. And we saw exactly that. So. Yeah, within the team game, uh, I don't know if if the point totals will be the same. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a little less. I don't know if it'll be a little more. But no doubt that uh, the Blues, because of what they saw with Pavel Buchnevich, that has to be one of the reasons they felt comfortable in, uh, in, in letting David Perron walk the free agency. Uh, speaking of letting people walk or locking them in curbs, if you were sitting in Doug Armstrong's chair, would you be extending Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> But I'm not sitting in a chair. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else he's thinking. Listen, I threw this stat up, uh, I think it was, it was sometime last week, and, and I, haven't, I haven't taken the time to go through and, and just put this into like franchise perspective with, with other teams because I was a little surprised by this. But in the last 26 seasons for Blues hockey, there have only been two players that have hit 50 or more points in five consecutive seasons. Now, the key word is consecutive there, right? 
But again, that, that consecutive speaks to consistency, right? So the only two players in the last 26 seasons that have done that are Pierre Turgeon and Vladimir Tarasenko. Hmm. If Ryan O'Reilly gets 50 points this season, he will become just the third player in the last 26 years to hit 50 or more points in five consecutive seasons. What's really kind of amazing is that's actually only happened eight times in franchise history. And even if you dropped it down to four times, where where a player has hit 50 or more points in four consecutive seasons, that's only happened to 11 different players in Blues franchise history. And spectacularly, Jeff Brown is the only defenseman in that group. I mean, and Randy, if I had said that, you said, okay, well, Al McKinnis is in there, right? Nope. Jeff Brown, and that was only four. So the the consistency that Ryan O'Reilly brings, and you guys, I'm sure you guys have already talked about it, right? But that what what Adam Wainwright did and talked about last night pregame and his pregame routine and all that stuff, if you don't think that there's massive value to this pitching staff to have Adam Wainwright doing what he's doing even into his 40s, you're absolutely nuts. And I think Ryan O'Reilly, with the way he can lead and what he shows and what he can bring to the table to show the Jake Neighbors and the young players, the, the Jordan Kyros and the Robert Thomases, especially Robert Thomas at center and on faceoffs, Ryan O'Reilly is an invaluable piece of this puzzle to me. Hey, Curbs, do we have the date nailed down for when training camp actually starts for the Blues? Uh, I haven't seen maybe, it yet. But I haven't looked yet. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be somewhere in the week of like, like the 21st or 22nd, That's... probably somewhere in there. Right. Yeah, because they, their first yeah. preseason game is on the 24th, so I figured it would be about the 20th, but I have not seen yet the official starting date of training camp. So I'm sorry no. to put you on the spot there. No, that's a, no, I probably should ask myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's amazing to me. It's, it, it's amazing, and I love the fact that the NHL does it that way. They they start camp, and then, man, games are, are starting right away, and the Blues have a, a full schedule, eight preseason games between September 24th and October 8th. It'll be here in a blink before we know it. Yeah, and, and you know, players are already, uh, you know, matriculating back into town. Uh, they're already getting on the ice. Like uh, this morning, uh, we've got Colton Pareko's first uh, for the uh, for his foundation here. Uh, we've got Colton Pareko's first ever golf tournament uh, that's going to be this morning out here in Meadowbrook. So we're looking forward to that. But you know, I was talking to him on Friday, and he was on the ice. And so guys are already getting on the ice. So while camp officially opens up, and then two days later they're playing games. Uh, really, by the time you hit September first to, to that first week of September. Most players are in town and they're already working on some things. Now, they cannot work officially with coaches, but what they'll do is we talked about the other night when we had that sponsor function. You know, the, the, the players will pull in Jamie Rivers, who's got coaching experience, and some other people like that to help them through training sessions on the ice. Curbs, thanks so much. Enjoy the golf today, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Have an awesome week, you too. Thank you. All right. See you later. That is the voice yep. of the blues, Chris Kerber, joining us on 101 ESPN. It's crazy to think that we're less than a month away from blues hockey again. Yeah, it's kind of warm to have hockey, but I like it. That always happens so quickly because the playoffs start to bleed into the summer and then training camp starts at the, essentially the end of summer, beginning of fall. It's a quick turnaround. It's pretty cool, though. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight, but we need a fighter. Text in 65780 with the word fight if you'd like to participate in the fight. Coming up in just a few minutes here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. 
In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And with that time check, you know what it's time for. It is time for the fight on Carriker and Smallman here on 101 EN. Randy's first challenger of the week is Jeff, who's joining us. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Jeff, are you there? Yes, I'm good. Let me add him. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, you have the confidence, Jeff, so I'm just going to go ahead to question number one. Good luck to you. Thank you. Adam Wainwright has finished second in the National League Cy Young Award voting twice. Clayton Kershaw is one, but who is the other? Tim Lynch to come. Okay. Yep. On this day in 1977, Lou Brock stole his 893rd stolen base, passing what MLB legend to take over the career steals lead? Was that Ty Cobb, Ted Williams, or Joe Jackson? Okay. Uh, give me the options one more time. Was it Ty Cobb, Ted Williams, or Joe Jackson? I think it was Ted Williams. Happy birthday to Roy Oswalt. He logged a winning record against all five National League Central teams. Out of his 31 starts against the Cardinals, how many of the 19 decisions did he win? 10, 12, or 14? Okay, Roy Oswalt, 19 games against the Cardinals. How many decisions did he win? You said either 10, 12, or 14, correct? Correct. Um, I'm going to just split it down the middle. Let's go 12. I like he broke it down chapter and verse style right there by Randy. I like that. Paul Goldschmidt yep. currently sits at nine home runs for the month of August, one away from his second 10 home run month of the season. Who holds the record for home runs in a calendar month with 20? Is that Sammy Sosa, Frank Thomas, or Hank Aaron? Ooh, see, I would have gone Barry Bonds, but uh, okay. Uh, you said Sammy Sosa, um, Hank Aaron, or who else? Uh, Frank Thomas, big unit. That's Randy Johnson. Frank Thomas was something else. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Sammy Sosa just because you know the the race they had with McGuire. I know they were cranking him out, so uh, seems like the uh, the best option to guess on. We have, we have confirmed the score. Yeah, yeah. We I'm, are raving in Randy. My apologies to Frank Thomas. Uh, the big hurt. I don't know why I said the big unit. Yeah, the big guy. The big, the big, the big, the big Randy Johnson's the, the big, big hurt. Unit. As soon as I said, the I was like, I was like the big unit's not Frank Thomas. That's Randy Johnson. The big hurt is 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 Mr. Thomas. That's right. Randy, please say good morning to Jeff. Jeff, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. You're going down. I'm a all huge right. fan. I listen every day. I text in trying to get on the fight all the time. I am super excited. Love it. Good to hear. Well, Jeff, Thank I'm glad you. that you finally got through. Yes, yes. I mean, I listen every morning. I always tell my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm going to get on this one day. And she always laughs at me and is like, you're never, <laughs> never. So I, it is just, she didn't even believe me when I told her. I walked in, I'm like, I'm about to be on the radio. She's like, all right, whatever. And just ignored me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your girlfriend's name? Her name's Taylor. Taylor, shout out to you. Yeah, and Jeff is, in time. fact, on the fight today. Taylor, they're shouting you out. <laughs> Randy, are you ready? Ready. Question number one for mm-hmm. Megamind. Adam Wainwright has finished second in the National League Cy Young Award voting twice. Mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw is one, but who is the other pitcher who won it ahead of Waino? Tim Lincecum. On this day in 1977, Lou Brock stole his 893rd stolen base, mm-hmm. passing what MLB legend to take over the career steals lead? 
So that guy had 892? Uh, yes. I'll go with Ty Cobb. Uh, happy birthday to Roy Oswald. He logged a winning record against all five National League Central teams. Out of his 31 starts against the Cardinals, how many of the 19 decisions did he win? 19 decisions? Yes, sir. Well, I'll have to do the lifeline here. 10, 12, or 14? I'll go 10. Paul Goldschmidt currently sits at nine home runs for the month of August. He's one away from his second 10 home run month of the season. Who holds the record for calendar month with home runs with 20? I think it was uh, June of 1998. Sammy hit 20. Jeff listens every morning. He keeps telling his girlfriend, Taylor, I'm going to get on the fight and I'm going to win. All right. I love it. Love that guy. Did he call his shot? Or did Megamind crush another dream? No. Rocky, I'll ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. <laughs> Go ahead, Randy. He listens every day. He 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 needs a full treatment. I know how it goes. He needs it, a full it, it treatment. With all the sound <laughs> Family show. Family show. Jeff, I'm sorry, but you listen to the show every day. You knew this was a likely outcome. I knew. I knew it was coming. Um, I appreciate for having me on and huge fan of the product you guys put out. I mean, I've been listening since uh, Randy was on the fast lane and just huge, huge fan of everything you guys do. So uh, thank you for having me on. Jeff, thank you. We appreciate you, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for listening every day. And tell Taylor we said what's up. Absolutely. I will. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one, guys. You too, Jeff. All right, Randy, you did beat Jeff three to one. Let's run okay. through our answers. So Adam Wainwright has finished second in the National League Cy Young Award voting twice. Clayton Kershaw has won. The other pitcher who wanted ahead of him was Roy Halladay in 2010. Mm. It's fascinating. You guys both said Linscombe. He actually didn't even wait for the lifelines and said Linscombe. Linscombe, when he won the second year in 09, Carpenter finished second. Oh, Wainwright finished, finished third. third. Okay. Yes, but both of you thought it was 10 yeah, months ago. Yeah, it's fascinating. It is, in fact, Roy Halladay, 2010. On this day in 1977, Lou Brock stole his 893rd stolen base. He passed Ty Cobb to take over the career steals lead. Mm-hmm. Randy, you got that one correct. It's Roy Oswald's birthday. He logged a winning record against all five National League Central teams. Out of his 31 starts against the Redbirds, out of the 19 decisions, he won 10. I figured the Cardinals did okay against him. That's why... Went with 10. 10 he and 9 makes sense. Roid the Cincinnati Reds like 23 and 3. Unbelievable. Cardinals tried to get him a few times and he wanted to come here, but it just never worked out. I would love a list of guys that wanted to come here that yeah. it didn't work out. Max Scherzer. And then how they did against a substantial list. Yeah. Pretty good list, yeah. And then how they did against the Cardinals after that point. Somebody who was sitting behind Josh Donaldson's family when the Cardinals played the Braves in the 2019 playoffs and said, uh, He was going to be a free agent again. He'd only signed a one-year contract with Atlanta. And they said, man, I hope Josh comes here next year, a fan. And his family turned around and said, Cardinals had their chance. (laughs) Oh, okay. By the way, the Cardinals, that's another guy, though, because they offered Jack Flaherty for him and got turned down when he was with Toronto. Wow.
I love that. What could have been? Yeah. You know, uh, Goldie sits at nine home runs for the month of August, one away from his second 10 home run month of the season. The person that holds the record for a calendar month with 20 is, in fact, Sammy Sosa. Both Jeff and Randy got that one correct. He did it in June of 1998. Well, congrats, Mind. Great start to the week. Thank you. I have a little bonus trivia question for you. Fire away. Who had the record before Sammy Sosa? Uh, the record for home runs in a month before Sammy Sosa? Probably, let's see. Big Mac had some months, but it probably wasn't Big Mac. I don't even know. Hammer and Hank Aaron hit 17 in a month. Did he? For a guy that never had a 50 home run season, mm-hmm. that's pretty substantial. All right. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to move back to the NFL. It's three questions about the Los Angeles Chargers on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Do you have any other questions for me, counselor? I don't really understand your question. Are you fooling me? I'm right. It's a question. That's a clown question, bro. Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. And now, it's time for three questions on the Los Angeles Chargers. Michelle, we all remember the end of the season last year. The Chargers had a chance to make the playoffs. They lost to the Raiders in their finale. They finished 9-8, and eight, and the Raiders went to the playoffs with a record of 10-7. and seven. If the Chargers would have won that game, they would have gone mm-hmm. to the playoffs. And they're a franchise now with Brandon Staley at head coach. And with Justin Herbert at quarterback, they kind of need to take that next step this year. I feel like a lot of Chargers fans are still replaying that in their mind, Randy. Third and four. Raiders on the 39-yard line, 38 seconds left in the game. Brandon Staley calls a a timeout on the final play in overtime. The Chargers lose that game 35-32, to and it felt like they were a team that was going to make the playoffs, and Randy, and if they had, could have been pretty dangerous. So I'm sure that it's been a tough offseason for Chargers fans, but they have a lot to be excited about. All right, three questions about the L.A. Chargers. Number one. Talking about the end of the season, it brings us right into our first question. I think the bigger thing you got to look at is the last four games. They go one and three, including a 12-point loss to the Houston Texans when they were sitting at eight and six. That could have sealed it up right there for them, and they completely bungled at the end. So, no playoffs for three years and a very tough division ahead of them. Six really tough games in division. Can the Chargers make the playoffs this year? I would say yes. I would say that with Derwin James hopefully being healthy, he might be the best strong safety in the entire league. They went out and got J.C. Jackson in free agency from the Patriots, and they went and got Khalil Mack in a trade with the Bears. Their defense really is more substantial now. And I think the big thing, Michelle, is the ascent of their offensive line. Rashawn Slater as a rookie was a Pro Bowl player. Uh, Corey Lindsley in his second year at center there should be really good. Zion Johnson, their first rounder this year, is going to start at right guard. I like their offensive line. I think they've got all the other weapons necessary to be really good. They have all the weapons necessary to be really good, but it's going to be tough because they're in a murder, or seemingly a murderer's row of a division with the Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers. You can make an argument for any one of those four teams to not only win the division, but 
to be a playoff team, Randy. And I think so much of this hinges on their defense. That mm-hmm. was a, a weak spot for them last year. As you mentioned, they went out and fortified that in the offseason. I think if the offense continues on pace and the defense can improve, we're looking at a playoff team in the Los Angeles Chargers. And by the way, it's still hard for me to see it. say Los Angeles me Chargers. Yeah. I don't have a problem saying Los Angeles Rams, but I always want to say San Diego Chargers, even though I very well know they're not there anymore. Yeah. It just rolls off the tongue better. It does. And they, they should still be in San Diego. Yeah, they should. Anyway. Number two. Randy mentioned some of the big additions to the defense. Even with guys like Joey Bosa and Asante Samuel Jr. last year, they were a bottom-rung defense in the NFL. So you add Khalil Mack. You give, heck, Derwin James is still there. You give him the big contract. You add a J.C. Jackson. Heck, you even add a solid slot cornerback in Bryce Callahan. Bottom line, can all these star players put together a top-five defense for the San Diego Chargers? I don't know if it can be top-five in that division, but you can get after Mahomes. You can get after David Carr. You can get after Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, get after Russell Wilson, and that's going to be the key. You had to improve your pass defense. I don't see how a team is a top five defense playing a half a dozen games in that division, but can they do a better job of getting to the quarterback and defending the pass? Yes, and that's what they need to do. And they need to defend the run, too, because they were tied for 28th in yards per carry allowed last season. And they had Derwin James. They had Joey Bosa. They had some star power, some names, but it just didn't really click for them. The addition of Khalil Mack is going to be great, Randy. But how about um, Sebastian Joseph Day? That could be another really mm-hmm. strong addition for them. Best. Yeah, <laughs> I think that they're, they have the pieces in place to be better, but let's see if the cohesion can be there. For whatever reason, I don't know why, but Sebastian Joseph Day, his PR people always send us stuff. And I do would they? never do anything. Yeah. And I would never do anything because he was with the Rams, but I'll do stuff with him now. Now we like him. Yeah. I, I, I'm not getting these press packs. I don't know why I got him. I got like something every week. Would you like to have Sebastian Joseph Day on your show? I said, no. I don't know who he is, and he's a Ram. But now. Oh, no, I'll take him. Welcome to the team. Yeah, exactly. Should we give him part of the character in Small and Bump? I think so. He can have a big year. They can move up to number, they, they could be top five rush defense because of him. We would love for the Chargers to be the most beloved and the best team in Los yeah. Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. We would. Number three. Last year, Justin Herbert, not great in those last four games we just talked about. He was averaging under 300 yards passing, averaged two touchdowns and an interception per across those last four games. But he also led five game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks last year for the Chargers. So, can Justin Herbert continue his growth? Can he make that next step? Does Justin Herbert enter himself into the MVP conversation this season? In a word, yes. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to become a great NFL quarterback. It's very hard. They think it happens overnight, and it doesn't. And this is going to be his third year, and this is where he should kick in. It shouldn't have been in his rookie year or his second year. This is where it should kick in, and he should start to become a dominant player. The outlier is the Patrick Mahomes who sits for a year, and then his first year playing throws 50 touchdown passes. When you look at the really good quarterbacks in the league, they had to deal with some adversity. And... Herbert has dealt with, like we talked about, the, the second half last year, but he's an ascending player and an exceptionally talented player. And he has gotten better. And mm-hmm. let's not forget that he was the 2020 Offensive Rookie of the Year. I was reading about the NFL Top 100, Randy, and here's some numbers on Justin Herbert. They say arguably no quarterback has ever been as good as Herbert this early in their career. He holds the record for passing yards, 9,350. Passing touchdowns at 69, nice. And games with 300-plus yards at 17 for quarterback 
quarterbacks over their first two seasons. And I think as he continues that maturation process, we're only going to see Justin Herbert continue to exert himself in the NFL. I think this guy is an absolute stud, and I think we will be talking about Justin Herbert as an MVP at some point. Not many people in the history of the league have thrown for 5,000 yards. Drew Brees has done it a bunch of times. But he's one of the guys now that's thrown for over 5,000 yards in an NFL season. A little bonus one. Uh, at one point in the season, do you think Philip Rivers will watch a Chargers game, see how clean that Justin Herbert jersey is in the fourth quarter, and then yell, it"? No, because he <laughs> does realize that uh, they are playing on an artificial surface in L.A., and he played on real dirt in San Diego. Can I tell you my favorite thing? He got killed, got killed by a bad offensive line. About Justin Herbert? is in the Mina Kimes piece that she did on Justin Herbert. His teammates were talking about how chill he is, how he's like steady Eddie, but that the only time they've seen him get really upset is when people don't return their carts at the grocery store. That he says it's just such a common courtesy and that people need to do that and he gets really fired up when they don't. And I agree, I think it's the biggest barometer to whether you're Mm -hmm. a good person or not because it just shows that you care about others and that you care about the natural order of the world. And so I respect the hell out of Justin Herbert for getting mad at his teammates if they don't return the car. That's what a leader does. You're exactly right. Tells me a lot about him. I would hope that he would have his teammates doing that too. Yes, he does. So where do you think the Chargers finish? I think they're... They have a chance to win this division. I think they're better than the Raiders. I think they're better than the Broncos. I think they could win the division, but I think at the very worst, they're a wild card team and the second place team in the AFC West. I'm pulling up the schedule really quickly. Um, So they start out with Vegas and Kansas City. Then they have a, a pretty nice stretch. Jacksonville, Houston, Cleveland, Denver, Seattle, Atlanta. Should so, all be wins. So you could really make... make you keep pointing at us, no, Matt. No, What's no, up? Sorry, no, keep, keep going. Well, you're pointing at us. Is yeah. there something you want to say? Um, so they have a winnable stretch there before the bye. And then, as I mentioned, Atlanta, San Francisco. I mean, this is a very, very win- winnable schedule for them. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll win the division, but they certainly could have a crack James. at it. Game three between the Chargers and, and Chiefs. Let's say they, they face off in the individual playoffs. Can the Chargers beat the Chiefs in that situation? In the playoffs? Yeah, let's see. It's a, hard it's a game, to guess a game three. We don't know about injuries and yeah. all that. It's, it's, it's hard. But sure, if, if they ascend to the level that they're capable of, good, two good wide receivers, good tight end, good offensive line, good defense, yeah, they can play with them. No doubt about it. There's so many questions about this division. We know that these teams seemingly on paper are all capable of being really good and taking the division, but... We don't know how Russell Wilson's going to translate in Denver. With Kansas City, what's Patrick Mahomes going to look like without Tyreek Hill? What, how big of a loss is that? With the Raiders, Josh McDaniels is coming in. I know they added Devontae Adams. There's a lot of positive things there, but we've seen Josh McDaniels not be able to hack it as a mm-hmm. head coach before, and that has a lot to do with it, the scheme that they'll implement. And the, the Chargers have questions, too. So it's, it's so fun at this point in the season to be able to hypothesize about how good this division can be, but you never you never really know how all of this is going to play out. And Austin Eckler is a, a fantasy darling. He's getting taken really high in a lot of fantasy drafts, so I think the Chargers are, are a darling, too. Uh, that is three questions about the L.A. Chargers. L.A. Chargers here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Always San Diego Chargers in our hearts, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. Coming up, big doings at 101 ESPN. We'll tell you what they are next on Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Well, we told you before the break that we have uh, things happening, big things happening here at 101 ESPN. And most notably, big things happening for Michelle Smallman. So we will let Michelle tell you what's going on. So, unfortunately... I have to share that this is my last week on the show. This is the last week of Carriker and Smallman, as you know it. Um, I am going to be leaving for a bit. I'm going to be taking my talents back to Bristol and doing some stuff for the network. And we had tried to figure out a way logistically for it to work with me having to go back and forth to Bristol. And it just the time changes are going to be too much because I'm going to be working at night. So unfortunately, we had to come to the conclusion that in order for me to pursue this new opportunity, I can't do the show anymore. But don't worry, because the show is going to be in great hands. I don't know if we want to announce what the next iteration we'll later in the week of this is. The show is going to be in great hands. And Randy's still going to be here with you every morning. But this will be my last week on the show. Which sucks. And by the way, it's amazing when you think about it, because your last day will be on September 2nd. Mm -hmm. We started on May 2nd of the pandemic in in 2020. So it'll be exactly 28 months that we did the show together. (laughs) And yeah, it's it's incredible. And we've worked together for a long time. For those of of you that aren't aware, last time Michelle left for Bristol, she was the producer of the Fastlane and did magnificent work there. And you have become a sensational caster and ESPN in Bristol is lucky to have you and uh, we're going to miss you greatly and dearly here in the studio. Well, thank you. And I would never have been able to do any of this without you, Randy. As you know, your your guidance and support of me and my career has been immeasurable and I I just can't thank you enough. I'm sure there'll be much more of that being said on Friday as I, as I wrap <laughs> things up. But yeah, it's an exciting opportunity, but I, I truly am heartbroken to have to leave the show and leave the station. I will be involved in some capacity. We will announce that later in the week as well. But this show has been the best thing I've ever done in my career. Oh, that's nice to hear. Getting to work with Randy every day and getting to share our mornings with St. Louis and and really be a part of a community. We have a, a community on this show. It's the BLIS, the best listeners in sports. And it's it's been really, really great. And it's very hard to walk away from. But like you said, it's a great opportunity up in Bristol, and you have cachet there because you were up there before, <laughs> and there, there are things that you are able to achieve in the Northeast that simply are not achievable when you're in St. Louis, Missouri. I wish that I could be in two places at once, mm-hmm. because that's really what this came down to, was just logistically trying to put the pieces together. It was just almost impossible to try to figure it out. And most importantly, I would never want to put the show in a bad spot. And that ultimately led to the decision that I needed to be based on the East Coast because I will be going back and forth. And uh, I, I'll be starting out doing the the nighttime sports center on the radio side. So that would have been a really hard turnaround to, to be working until 3, 3.30 in the morning, East Coast time, and then turn around and be doing a morning mm-hmm. show. So a tough decision that had to be made. But like I said, you guys are going to be in great hands. I'm actually excited to be listening to the next version of the morning show, which I will be doing often, Randy, and bugging you and Matt and your future co-hosts and be texting you guys all the time. It'll be fun for me to be a fan. I'm terrible at going to bed uh, at an appropriate time to get up for the show. Not bad at getting up for the show. It's the going to bed at an appropriate time to actually get myself some sleep beforehand. So most likely I'll be sitting around bored, um, not 
actually doing what I need to do before I go to bed and wanting to listen to some people on the radio. It's late night. So how how would I listen to somebody like Michelle Smallman if it's late night and I'm and I'm burning the midnight oil? You could be listening on Sirius XM or you could be listening on the ESPN app. I'll be pushing all of that out, all of those Perfect. links for people to find wait. us and, and right here over and on 101 ESPN. Yes, it'll be it'll be easily findable on all ESPN properties. But I hope, Matt, that you're not up listening for your sake because I know what that turnaround is like. Yeah, I again it's it's the going to sleep part. Uh I was I'm a, I'm a night owl who has to wake up very early in the morning. It's a it's a weird dichotomy, but it's fun. And we should mention that Michelle is going to, as she mentioned, maintain ties to the station, and she will be back in St. Louis for the World Series in October. Yes, I, I was when <laughs> word started getting out. I was telling people they're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're leaving." I'm like, "Don't worry, I'll be back to see the Cardinals win the World Series. I'll be back in the fall. <laughs> I'll be back. It'll be a quick turnaround because I'll be back for that." And. I want to go back to when we started, when there was no sports going on. And I've been doing this. Next year will be 40 years in this business for me. And you helped me become a much better broadcaster because we had to really think outside the box and do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do because there was no content. And so for May, June, most of July until baseball started of 2020, we had to make it up as we went along, and we did successfully, and the show's ratings actually increased during the course of that time, but I, I learned a lot, and I had a lot of fun, actually, in, in developing the content that we did. I know, weirdly, that will go down as one of my favorite stretches in my sports radio history. And you'd think, why? We were in a global pandemic. There was no sports. It was a terrible time for society, and it was. But every day, we got to come in and try to be a ray of sunshine for people. And yeah. we got to come in every day and try to get people's minds off of what was happening around the world. And it, it it was the runway that we needed to be goofy and creative and really, we we try to throw things at the wall and see if it sticks, but mm-hmm. we really could throw everything at the wall yeah, and see if did. it stuck then. And, you know, we covered the last dance as if it was the Super Bowl. We got into Tiger <laughs> right. King. Some days we'd come in and be like, should we power rank chips today? I <laughs> I don't really know what we're going to do. We did a lot of drafts. Can I find, the power, can I find the power income of those chips? Probably, I need, yeah. I need, to read, I, need, I need to know how that research. I need to read that. I need to dive into that. But we we tried to have fun every day. We tried to have fun every day anyway, but especially th- during that time. I think we would leave the show every day and at least say, we might have to go home and sit in our houses, and this might not be mm-hmm. great, but at least we got to laugh today. And so many fun things happened. We, we, we developed the relationships with both Adam Wainwright and David Prawn. Actually, let's add Mark McGuire to that mix yes, because yes. he's become a show regular and one of our favorites, and we really enjoy having Mark on, on the show on a regular basis. And we know in going and talking to athletes that this has become kind of a go-to place for athletes because they know we're fair and we're going to treat them with a level of respect, and they know that not everything is going to be great, that there are going to be times where we have to be critical, but if we're critical, it's going to be in a fair manner. And... What I've kind of learned is that by being critical in a fair manner, those athletes understand that that's part of the job. Mm-hmm. But also when we ask those questions, whether it's of John Mozeliak or David Prawn, if things aren't going well, or Doug Armstrong, whomever it may be, that they know that the way we're going to set them up gives them the space to be transparent or to be honest about a tough situation. And that's one thing that I'm really proud of, Randy, is that we've treated everybody, whether it's good times or bad times, with respect and given them the, the space to hopefully tell their side of the story. And we've had uh, for... 
two years, we've had three pillars. we got to add a fourth pillar before you get out of here, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, so, we should have made that a priority <laughs> years ago. But we just, Maybe. we kind of, here's the thing, as time flies when you're having fun and we've yeah. been having so much fun, we forgot that we, no. but to be fair, even though the Rams had four pillars, it didn't work out for them. <laughs> so maybe we should just keep it as a three-pronged the, approach. The Rams, I don't know. Yeah, the Rams were faith, character, team first, core values. Our first three were kind of different. All roads lead to hardware, deflect blame at all costs, <laughs> and never keep the panic bus keys. <laughs> and we need a fourth. I think okay. Michelle's right. You don't need you don't you don't put the fourth one on. The Rams kinda the Rams put a bad little juju on four pillars in St. Louis. And by the way, uh Deflect blame at all costs, and every walk of life should be number one. Get yourself a fall guy. Come on. <laughs> exactly. So all roads lead to hardware. During my time back at 101 ESPN, I saw some hardware. Yep. The Blues winning the Stanley Cup, which will undoubtedly go down as the best thing I've ever covered. And the highlight of my career, Randy, will always be the day that we got to walk the parade route it together. Was awesome. it, was it, was, it was just the best day. So all roads have led to hardware at least once, hopefully twice, because like mm-hmm. I said, I'll be back for the World Series. Fingers crossed. Deflect blames at all costs. I think we've proven that. We do a pretty good job of that, yeah, right? Yeah, big time. And keep the We're pin- like a sixth producer. <laughs> <laughs> this one has stuck around, though. He's great. And keep the panic bus keys at the ready. They're always gotta in the have. pocket. Like you got to, even now with the Cardinals, you got to have them ready. I don't know. I've kind of I've kind of gotten wrapped up in this team a little bit. I feel good about them. I think you lost the panic bus keys. I think I think they're I think they're in a couch cushion. I think, yeah. I think you might have lost the panic bus keys here. I think I betrayed a pillar, but I'm feeling good seven, about them. It's, it's kind of hard to keep searching for the keys. You, yeah. you think about it, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So a big day, and ultimately it'll be great for the career of Michelle Smallman. And we know because this is a big thing, you want to react, so you can send a mic drop if you'd like with the 101 ESPN app if you'd like to uh, tell Michelle what you're thinking right now or we'll read some texts and uh, at the top Michelle said she is going back to Bristol Connecticut her last day on the show at least as a regular host you'll you'll join us on the phone won't you anytime yeah. you've got my number yeah so uh, we'll we'll have her on the show but uh, her as my co-host and I'm, I'm bummed out by it. It's her last day, but I'm happy for Michelle. Our, her last day is going to be on Friday. So you can weigh in if you like, and we'll do that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, we told you last segment, Michelle Smallman revealed that she is on her way back to Big ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. And Michelle's last day on Carriker and Smallman will be on Friday. And it'll just be Carriker. <laughs> yeah, breaking news. It's going to be Randy Solo for three hours. No, kidding. We have a great... I say we, but you have a great co-host lined up. And um, I just know that that person is going to absolutely crush it. And... I am thrilled for the next iteration of the morning show. I'm going to be listening all of the time. Text 65780. Take it or leave it. Randy sheds more tears than Michelle. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave it because I already wrote out a little something for Friday mm-hmm. and it was a, I couldn't even write it. 
because it's going to be a tough goodbye. But, you know, they say grief is is the price you pay for love. And I couldn't have loved this working experience more. So I know that there's going to be some feelings of grief on Friday when I have to say goodbye to something so wonderful. And I think this one will be near and dear to your heart. From the 618, I'll miss Michelle for sure. As a dad to a five-year-old daughter, her sports relationship with her father has been an inspiration to me. Best of luck, but I hate that you're leaving. Okay, now that's going to definitely make me cry. (laughs) Well, And that means more to me than, than maybe any else is, you know, I never knew that I could occupy this chair because there was never anybody that looked like me that did it first. So the fact that there might be little girls that are listening that think that they could do this too, or let me scratch that, know that they can do mm-hmm. this too. And, and moms and dads that are fostering that and their, and their daughters, that is really special. So thank you for that message. From the 636, Michelle, say it isn't so. You've been part of my morning for the past 28 months. All the best always. You're killing me, Smalls. And then the addendum, ILL. I and I. And thank you for listening. That has been, I think, the most special part about this, Randy, is whenever we meet people that listen to the show, we share our mornings together, mm-hmm. which is so cool when you think about it. That whether you're listening in your car or at home or we're in the studio, that all of us are connected in doing something together every morning. It's it's really cool. Well, and you and I had, uh, we were fortunate there was a, a get together to honor our late friend from 105.7 The Point, Greg, uh, Jeff Burton, on Friday. And I, I mentioned to his wife that he, what we do, we have so many friends that we don't know, but we are all friends. And that's what you've been able to cultivate over the course of the last few years here in St. Louis with me and before that with with Bernie is that, and even when we did the fast lane Mm -hmm. and you were on the air a lot, is you develop friendships with an entire community. And it's it's not people that you necessarily know, but you're friends. And so there's a lot of people driving around right now saying, my friend is leaving. And their friend is leaving because we really are friends. Mm -hmm. Anytime I meet somebody that listens to the show, Randy, I want to hang out with them more because there's so many awesome people that listen and hang out with us every day. It's it's actually a shame that we don't get to hang out with people more because, Mm -hmm. you know, in the mornings, we don't really get to go out on the road as much as maybe the afternoon show or or, uh, or like BK and Ferrari or the Fastlane gets to and they get more of an opportunity to meet people. But um yeah, it's kind of surreal. It doesn't necessarily feel like I'm leaving yet, but it's going to hit me when I wake up on Monday and that <laughs> alarm doesn't go off at five o'clock. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good thing. From the 636. So basically you're going to become a Pats, Bruins and Red Sox lover. For shame. Just I'm, kidding. I'm not selling my soul to the devil, people. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Going back to Jeff, though, I think it's important that people know this. So I love St. Louis. St. Louis is my home. I I ride for St. Louis any chance that I get, and I know that this is where I'll end up. But when this opportunity presented itself, life is so short, and I just want to pursue this opportunity, and I never want to regret not truly going for it. And I could be back in four months. I could be back in four years. We don't know, but I I know one thing is for sure is that this is the only place that I want to live long term and that this is an unbelievable community that's very hard to leave. Thanks for saying that because I know it means a lot to a lot of people. But that being said, those four letters, and I know the, the four letters ESPN have taken a lot of hits over the last few years, but they still mean more than any four letters in sports. Mm-hmm. And if you do have the opportunity, you do have to take advantage of that opportunity. And at your age, with where you are in your in life, I would be disappointed if you didn't. I'm, I'm devastated that you're leaving the show because we've when we started, the ratings were not great. And the ratings are great now. And they're going up. 
right? We're we're chasing the Riz show, and we're within striking distance now, which is unheard of. It's unbelievable <laughs> that, that we are, and so from that perspective, I, I it, it it hurts. But obviously, I'm happy for you because I want to see you do as well as you possibly can. Thank you. And, you know, I, I've been talking to my friends and family about this. It's been hard to keep this secret. Mm-hmm. We've known this for quite some time now. But somebody said to me, I had a little get together over the weekend, kind of a goodbye. And somebody said to me, I hope that you let this sink in and that you're proud of yourself. And I was like, oh, you know, I am. And they're like, no, no, no. But when you first started in this career, did you ever think whether it's one show or a thousand shows that you would get the opportunity to host a show on ESPN, not be a producer, but host a Mm -hmm. show. And I said, honestly, no, I never really thought that that could be something for me. And so the fact that I feel like I'm getting that opportunity, I am proud of that. Yeah. And that I've worked hard and that I've gotten there. And you've impacted lives. Not only are you making an impact in the industry, but you've impacted people's lives for the better as well. Let's get a couple of mic drops. Derek is the first to check in with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I am so bummed that you are leaving. What a great opportunity for you, though. You consistently have shown us that women in sports, media, sports radio particularly, can be the consummate professionals, that this isn't just a boy's game, not just a man's world. Thank you, Derek. I'm going to get, see, this is why I didn't want to do this. I told Randy and Matt last night, I was like, well, first of all, when we were talking to our boss, Tommy Matter, and he's like, when do you want to announce? I go, can't I just say it at the end of the show on Friday? And he goes, Michelle, you cannot ghost the audience. You can't <laughs> that do that. So but I just get, I don't want to get super emotional because, you know, I'm Italian. Once those tears start flowing, <laughs> I cannot lock it back in. But thank you, Derek. That means so much to me. As soon as you empty it, as soon as you start pouring it out, you got to empty out that tear. You got to empty out that tear. I know how it is. I know how it is. Let's hear from Doug, too. Michelle, you're an amazing talent. You will be missed here. I really enjoyed listening to you and Randy together. Um, but congratulations on your new gig. I know you'll do great things. Good luck at ESPN in Bristol. Yeah, and you, you don't want to, because they have, not that our winters here are mild by any stretch. No. But they have, and Listen. one of the hashtags, maybe it should be the fourth pillar, is hashtag <laughs> winter is stupid. I think we just got it, Randy. That's it. Winter is stupid. <laughs> we came up with that one a long time ago. Yes, we did. And winter is even stupider in Bristol, Connecticut. It is. is. It not? Uh, well, first of all, thank you, Doug, for that sweet mic drop. Um, I think it's important to note that I will be based in New York, and mm-hmm. I will be going back and forth to Bristol because I won't be doing a show daily. It's going to be uh, kind of an on-call situation, and I'll be sure to post on socials, the shows that I will be doing. Um, But not that it's going to be less of a difficult winter in New York, but I just have this PTSD from the very first day I got to Bristol, Connecticut. I'll never forget. I flew there on July 15th. July 15th, I get to my temporary housing. I lug all my stuff in there. I had gotten Chipotle on the way. I'm crying because I'm like, oh, what did I do? Where am I? And I'm like, all right, let's settle in. Let's watch the local news. Let's see what Central Connecticut is working with. The very first news story that came across the television was the last snow mound has melted in Boston, <laughs> Massachusetts today. And I'm like, it's July 15th and the last snow mound has melted. We got bomb cyclones. We got some bad winter storms up there. So, uh, yeah, I guess Godspeed to me because I can't believe I'm going back there. <laughs> Let's get one more mic drop. David, thanks for checking in with us on 101 ESPN. Sad to hear that Michelle is leaving again. Uh, you have been 
fantastic to listen to every morning. Uh, always bring your A game. You will be missed, but wish you all the best in Bristol second time around. And who knows, maybe you will come home again someday. That's oh. what Keen Andohar said, you never know. It's a guarantee, David. I just don't know when. That's the thing, is that this is, it's it's almost like I'm going to study abroad. You know what I mean? Like, I know that I'm going back there and it's going to be a fun period in time, but I will be back. You can't keep me away, St. Louis. I will be back for sure. And Michelle doesn't want this to be about Michelle, so we aren't going to do this all week, but we did want to get the word out there for you so that you knew what's going on here at the station. And then later in the week, as Michelle said, we'll have more information about what's happening with the station and with with this show. But uh, like I said, it's been a, a joy to work with you, and we'll we'll communicate all the time. It's not like we're not going to be communicating all the time, and we'll get you on the show. We'll get you a regular hit on the show. You can replace Perron. <laughs> I did say if Army let David Perron go, that we riot. Is this my is this, this my is, response? This is your riot. Exactly. I it told is. you if you didn't bring back David Perron, that there would be consequences. Something bad was going to happen, and here it is, Army. This is all on you. I'm totally kidding. But am I? I don't know. We're, we're going to miss David Pro, But we haven't even announced yet who's going to be the next weekly blues hit on the morning show here on 101 ESPN. So there's a lot of good things cooking. You know what? We can do that. We can do. I don't think anybody's stopping us. I mean, what are they going to do? Fire you? That's right. Okay. So should I make the announcement? <laughs> we can do it coming up next on uh, You're Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. All right, so we already gave you one big announcement, and we know that David Brown was with us weekly last year yep. from the St. Louis Blues, and we know that uh, we aren't going to go through a whole season without a Blues player on this show, whatever the name of it might be. So, Michelle, you get to make this announcement. How exciting. So, the weekly Blues guest on the morning show here on 101 ESPN will be... Do we have a drum roll? Uh, we, we got something like that. I was going to say, hold on, stand by. I'll be vamping. The anticipation is building. It's, it's building greatly for me. I think i got to move this. Okay, here, here. we go. Hold on. It's going to be a great name. It's, it's going to be a, That a I'm going to drop. Drum, well, we need a drum roll, and <laughs> darn it, I had one. I used to should know where just, it was. There we go. I was going to say, should go. we just That's do it? Okay, thank, thank you, Matt. You. Great effort out of you. The next weekly hit for your St. Louis Blues on the home of the Blues, 101 ESPN is... Big money, Bob. It's Robert Thomas. All right. Blues locked him up for a long time, so we had to lock him up here on 101 ESPN. He's going to be the weekly voice on the morning show, and it's going to be awesome. He's going to be a great addition to the lineup. I might get a number 18 sweater. There you go. It'll be great. So, yeah, Robert Thomas. And I hope that Robert Thomas knows that he has big shoes to fill with DP57. So I know he's a great personality and a great player and a great guy, but he's got to come ready to talk about anything, about superstitions, about who's a bad DJ. When the team is not performing well, he's got to give us a really good look inside. I know he'll he's up for the task, but I hope that he realizes that we had it good with David Perron. One thing about having an eight-year, $64 million contract is that you can say pretty much what you want. That's 
sorry. <laughs> Just like me making that announcement. Were we ready? I don't know, but you're not going to fire me. <laughs> I'll leave it on Friday. But I think Robert Thomas will be amazing. Yeah, I'm, be I'm excited for you. All right, it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Speaking of amazing, Randy, what can Adam Wainwright not do? When God made Adam Wainwright, I say he had octopus arms, okay? This guy is arguably a Hall of Fame pitcher. He's a champion. He's an unbelievable leader. He's saving the world with his charity. We know that Adam Wainwright is great at fantasy football. We know that he's an unbelievable golfer. We know that Adam Wainwright can play the guitar. And in addition to that, that he is a singer. Last night, he stole the show on Sunday Night Baseball in the Cardinals' victory over the Atlanta Braves. He gave everyone a peek into his pregame routine and how he warmed up prior to the game. And then during the game, they, they dropped this little ditty, a sneak preview of Adam Wainwright's latest song. We can go for a ride, stay at home, build a fire. We can go see the newest movie. Play our favorite songs live Hear the roar of the crowd That all sounds real good to me Yeah, that all sounds real good to me Ten of ten, no notes. Unbelievable. He is so incredibly talented, and I just can't think of anything he can't do. He's He's a total renaissance man. He really is, and I tweeted this last night, Randy. Give this man a record deal. Get him a country music award. Whatever he, by the way, when I was listening his uh, talents, I forgot that he's an incredible broadcaster, mm-hmm. and is, whenever he decides to hang it up, is going to be in the booth one day. But this is not just us saying that Adam is good because we like him. The proof is in the pudding. The guy's got, he's got pipes. He's got the vocal chops yep. to make it. I think so. Frank Cusimano treated last night. This has got to be sports history. While performing on the mound, they're playing Uncle Charlie 50 songs. His voice is pretty good. His pitching is out of sight and his golf swing is out of golf digest. <laughs> when God waved the talent wand, he just lingered a little longer with Adam. He really did. And how lucky are we to get to have him in our town? We're so lucky that the Braves traded him here. Man. Thank you, Braves. Thank you, Braves. Yeah. Yikes. But um, I am looking forward to Adam putting out an album at some point. I would think that he will. He He's written a lot of songs. He has his kids critique the songs. And Ali Marmal. He's sending out yep. Ali snippets of the songs all the time. Right. So I would think that he'll probably be a musical success, too. And everything he does, he works hard at. He doesn't just go right. halfway. So he'll be great. Now, here's the question that I have, Randy, because there's a lot of things that are on my to-do list, kind of my mm-hmm. my holistic bucket list, if you will. I, I took three years of Italian, used to be able to speak Italian oh, decently. I always want to learn Italian again. I would love to play the piano. How does Adam Wainwright have the time, in addition to being a baseball player, and a father of five, and a husband, and running a, a very thriving charity that's helping people across the world. How does this man find time to learn how to play the guitar and to write and record music? Where, like, I need to know not just about his pregame routine and what makes him a great baseball player. How does Adam break up his time? Because he can really get everything done. We'll have to ask him because there have been times where we've been doing our segment with him 20 minutes and he's out there working in his garden. That's right. So his multitasking ability is unmatched. But we'll have to find out how 
He does. There are just some people that have that. I used to work for a guy, and I don't think Adam stays up as long as Robert Hyland did. Robert Hyland started talk radio. And when I worked at KMOX, he would get in at midnight and spend midnight until about not. He had a morning meeting with his staff, a nine o'clock meeting. Midnight to 9.30 was working on stuff for the company. And 9.30 to 4 was working on charity things. And then he would go home, eat dinner, get to bed early and be back at midnight. I don't know how you be that efficient, though, unless you're just superhuman. But if anyone's superhuman... It's Adam. It's Adam Wainwright. You're killing me, Smalls. Someone who has been accused of being superhuman is Tom Brady. And he's in the headlines recently, Randy. He had an 11-day break in the middle of training camp. He's back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He looked sharp on Saturday night in their preseason game. And he was asked about the break from training camp. And here's what Tom Brady had to say. It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with. So we all have really unique challenges to our life. And, uh, you know, we're 45 years old, man. There's a lot going on. So, you know, you just got to try to figure out life the best you can. And, um, you know, it's a uh, continuous process. So He's 45 years old. There's a lot of bleep going on. That's what he said. I wonder what it is, what it is. if it's all family or if it's just... He's got his businesses. He's got a movie. I wonder how much is there that really is going on. Because this is a guy that, kind of like Yachty in baseball, who's addicted to football. And now he leaves. Kind of like Yachty, actually, leaving for a while. It's very similar. But you wonder what the other thing is. But the the difference is is that Tom Brady had retired. If all of these outside interests, whether it be his clothing line or the, or the TB12 method or the movie that you mentioned, if all of that stuff or the, the broadcasting deal that he got, mm-hmm. if all of that stuff was so important, then why did he come back? I know he's addicted and I know he's still got it and can obviously go out there and perform, but you had your opportunity to really pour yourself into everything else if you wanted to, including your family life. Right. It- you could end football at 44 and be very, very, you should be. I think most are. Most would be very, very satisfied with six Super Bowls and three Super Bowl losses. What else could he possibly have left to prove? Nothing Nothing on the football field unless there's just, and I think Adam kind of has this, Wainwright, an insatiable desire to compete. True. But like we talked about with Yachty, when you let that into your mind that this might be the end, you're already th- probably you're, is. you're already thinking about life beyond. You've already yeah. considered that because for so long, Yachty never talked about the end. He's like, I'm going to continue to play forever. Tom Brady was like, maybe it's 45. Maybe I'll push it back further. They they never really would talk about the possibility of their careers being over. And I just wonder how much of this. Well, first of all, we will find out why he was gone, whether it's now or whether it's a year from now, it will get out there somehow. Mm-hmm. And we know that. There's reports that say he was on vacation with his family in some way, shape, or form. But I just wonder if right now he might be regretting it a little. And Seems we'll, like never, it, yeah. we'll never know. But there's never a lot of blank it. going on. By the way, he was wearing a hoodie that said forever. And I believe that was a TB12 shirt, so right? Maybe he's going to play forever. I don't know. Forever? He'll live among the legends. He'll His bust will be forever in Canton, Ohio. Or at least until the world ends in 20 years. We got 20 left? I thought yeah. it was quicker than that, so that's good to know. Yeah, 20 on the outside. Okay, good. You're killing me, Smalls! Thanks, Michelle. You got it. That's Michelle, and that's your Killing Me Smalls. Coming up, Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac likes to play golf with Chris Welsh in Cincinnati. And maybe he's playing golf. We haven't been able to uh, connect with Danny Mac yet. I got. I was lucky enough to work the Reds uh, away game booth, and I got to see. I got to see him. To, him and Welsh talk to each other after yeah. the game. That is a hilarious. Those are two hilarious and very talented baseball broadcasters. Yeah. So that we we are having difficulty efforting Daniel, but he'll join us at some point during the week. Michelle, the more things happen here, and we saw. The struggles, again, that the Brewers endured over the course of the weekend, losing a couple that they probably should not have lost to Chicago on Friday and Saturday. I'm wondering if the Cardinals might be able to wrap this up by, at least figuratively, maybe not mathematically, but it'll be over by mid-September. So I think the most surprising development isn't that the Cardinals are pulling away, but just that the Brewers are a shell of themselves. And I know Josh Hader continues to struggle and that he was struggling before they made the deal, but it just felt like that took the life out of them, moving him. And the fact that they seem like they've got really no energy left and that they're not going to make any sort of a push here, that has been surprising to me because I did think that it was going that they were going to add at the deadline and that this would be more of a battle down the stretch. And I think some of these teams, I think Chicago is one of them. Chicago has, like this weekend, had success against Milwaukee. But the Brewer, the Cardinals take two of, or three of five in Chicago. They take two of three against the Brewers. And it's been this way really since 2000, since Tony La Russa really got things cooking. I have to believe that there's teams that... When the Cardinals are doing what the Cardinals are doing right now, they say, come on, when is this going to end? You know, it's it's been going on for 22 years now. Can it end right now? Can it end at some point? That's why everyone hates the Cardinals yeah. and hates the Cardinals fan base because of the sustained success. Even when there's a dip, they're in it in the last week of the of the regular season. Even when they're missing the playoffs, there's still a team that you need to pay attention to and be reckoned with. But it's... It's so classic Cardinals, Randy, that not not only last night do you have Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, three Cardinals legends that are still competing at a high level. You have the National League MVP and the guy who's challenging him on the corners. And then you have guys like Tyler O'Neill and Lars Newtbar and Tommy Edmond that are coming through and doing a lot of the damage. It's what the Cardinals do really, really well, which is why it's so funny that we can have contention with this team mm-hmm. or, or feel negatively about the team because there are so many other fan bases that would absolutely die to be in our shoes, to be no covering doubt. and watching this team year in and year out. And I was just going to say, the Brewers have not been in a World Series since 1982 when the Cardinals beat them. The Cardinals obviously got back in 85 and 87 and 04 and 06 and 11 and 13. <laughs> See? <laughs> they, they, Even they, just given the list. Come on. Come on, and, man. But if... If you're the veteran Brewers, I, I'm going to throw Pittsburgh out of this because they're so young. But guys like Votto on Cincinnati, I know he's out for the year. But there are some veterans on the Reds that have never experienced success against the Cardinals. And I think if you're the Brewers, you can pretty much say that, mm-hmm. that we've we've experienced limited success against the Cardinals. But I wonder if ultimately, like Brian Price, when he was manager of the Reds, said a couple of years ago, we come in here and we don't expect to win. I wonder if that ultimately strikes all of those teams. If they come into St. Louis and they say, you know, 
we're playing the Cardinals. And I wonder if the Cardinals have a mental edge against a lot of these franchises. I'm sure because we talk to Adam Wainwright every week. There is never a situation, regardless of what the team looks like, where Adam Wainwright thinks the team is out of it Mm -hmm. or that the team can't win. And if you're the Cardinals right now, you really do feel like you can win because you are winning and you're finding ways to win. But if I'm, let's say, uh, Tyler O'Neill, okay, a guy who hasn't won a World Series or is a younger guy on the team, and I feel like the Cardinals are in a, a bad spot. Or I'm, I'm throwing a hypothetical, hypothetical yeah. situation out there. Last night's a perfect example. How am I going to look down in the in the dugout, though, and see number five sitting there and not think that anything is possible with this team? How am I going to look down and see number four sitting there and not think that anything is possible with this team? How am I going to look down and see Paul Goldschmidt MVP talking about the triple crown and not think that this team could come out of it. Oh, and right next to him, Nolan Arenado, one of the best third basemen that we've ever seen play the game, also in the MVP conversation. You know what I mean? It's just great point. It's the fact that they have so many great pieces and you could make the case for any one of those guys that they would be the catalyst to success. And the Cardinals have so many of them at once. I wonder how many people, including those in the Atlanta dugout, because I certainly thought this. When the Cardinals got runners at second and third with nobody out and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnauto coming up, how many thought the Cardinals were not going to win that game? I, I'll bet you everybody in the Braves dugout thought, it's Goldschmidt. It's Arnauto. Yep. The, one of those guys is going to get the run home. Dad's and, and they're going to win. Yeah. And it wasn't one of those two, but like you say, Tyler O'Neill comes up and he says, well, I'm a Cardinal. I yeah. can I can do this. And Feel free to count me out. I'll yeah. make you pay. Yeah, three run over, Sorry. bing, bang, boom, game over. Yeah. So I, I really do think that they're probably not against a team like the Dodgers at the moment. And I think the Mets are probably still feeling it, especially with Scherzer and DeGrom. But against everybody else in the National League, I think the Cardinals, well, the Cardinals feel good against everybody, but I'm sure the Mets and Dodgers feel pretty good about playing against the Cardinals, too. And as you mentioned, all of the other fan bases and and just organizationally, the way that they view the Cardinals, I think Joe Buck summed it up best in 2011. They just won't go away. How many other organizations have have thought, well, the Cardinals are going to have to rebuild at some point? You know, Albert Mm -hmm. Pujols left. They're not going to be the same. Or, you know, Chris Carpenter's not there anymore. Tony LaRusso left. Certainly they can't maintain this success. Oh, philosophical differences between the Cardinals and Mike Schilt. Clearly there's dissension in the ranks. They've got to fall apart at some point. But they don't. They just won't go Mm -hmm. away. And tonight they get the Reds, opener of a three-game series. They're all at 540. Then the Cubs, who won in 2016, they're rebuilding now. Then Washington comes into town. They won in 2019. They're rebuilding now. Pittsburgh was really good in 2013, 2014. They're rebuilding now. Then you get Milwaukee and then the Reds again. And then San Diego, who rebuilt, but not with youth, with money. And the Padres are, are kind of fading now. Then you get the Dodgers, which should be great. The Cardinals at L.A. September 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Then the Brewers and Pirates again. My point is is that most franchises, and by the way, the Brewers are, or the Dodgers are one of those two, they have to go through some really, really bad spots. The Cardinals' really, really bad spots lasted in 1994 and 1995. Wow. <laughs> that was it. A lot of Cardinals. 70s? The Cardinals never fit. They, the Cardinals were they were like within a game and a half. I guess the, the playoffs they, are just always so shortened that you don't you don't look yeah. at it as having playoff runs because of that. Yeah, right, it's true. But they 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 were in the hunt. They were half game out in the second to last day of the season in 1974. Mike Jorgensen hits a big home run for the Padres to kind of knock the Cardinals out of it. Steve Swisher, Cubs catcher, pass ball, 
messed it up for the Cardinals. <laughs> but there were uh, there there were some moments, at least in the seventies, that Pirates fans haven't enjoyed for a decade. A decade. Yeah, for this past decade. But when you look at the Pirates for the since nineteen ninety two, oh two, twelve, twenty two. Is that right? Oh two to twelve. Yeah, tw- uh, nineteen ninety two. That's thirty years. That's sickening. Yeah. 30 years, for the most part, they've been terrible. And in 2019, the Cardinals were in the NLCS, and people didn't want to go down to the ballpark because they felt like the team didn't have a chance to win. What, in those 30 years, they've had one Hall of Fame player in Bonds? Yeah. And, yeah, and look at I mean, just look at I mean look we at, might the, have look at the four Cardinals. on the same team. Yeah, maybe exactly. five. <laughs> He's been just, maybe five. Look at the look at you know oh four roster. You know you had you know three or four there. Look at the roster now. Arnado Goldschmidt is still waiting. I mean, heck, that's that's yeah. that's incredible. You think about it that way. So bottom line here is enjoy it. Five forty tonight on Ballet Sports. You get a chance to watch a really fun, engaging, and winning baseball team. I know I'll be tuned in. Me, well, me too. I'm kind of required to for my job, but I'd be doing it anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. My pleasure. Michelle, this was fun. Glad you got through it. Okay. I feel good. Now, Friday might be a different story, but okay. I don't think it's really sunk in yet. I'll, I'll be ready. I'll be ready for you on Friday. Don't worry about it. Bring in the Kleenex? Yep. Who do you think cries first, Mario? Probably me. me. No, no me. probably me. <laughs> one, one of us will. There's no doubt. Both of us will. There's no doubt about it. I wish that you could take a wager on that FanDuel Sportsbook promo code SMALLS. <laughs> Who will cry first, Randy or Michelle on Friday? Well, we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Again, Michelle, after Friday is headed up to northeast, the Northeast, and she's going to be working at ESPN again. And so this show will change, and we'll have information on that for you later in the week. We think, thank you for tuning in, texting, in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music, and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.